You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Big Sills! Happy Friday to you. <laughs> Already with the Brock Turdy out of the gate? Holy cow. We do have some... We do have some 49er news. By the way, bottom of the hour. We are going to talk with our friend Rick Barry. That was, get, get this. I watched game one of the NBA playoffs last night. Game one of the finals. I, I turned it off. I think they're going to smoke them. They're, they're going to sweep them. They, they can't stop the Joker. Hey, Joker's absolutely put it down. He's the best player on the planet. That guy's the best NBA player today. And how about this? I have never... That guy makes Larry Bird look like Michael Jordan athletically. He is the most non-athletic guy I've ever seen in my life, the Joker. Dude, that guy has no athletic ability, but he's... I mean, is he more skilled than Shaq? He's not as dominant, obviously, but he can't jump over a stack of quarters. Dude, man. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe how good that guy is, man. Final suck, man. Game two is Sunday. You better do something to up the amps because right now, that thing's not looking good. If Jimmy Buckets doesn't get going, man, that thing's a smoke show. And I mean a smoke show? That thing's going to be a sweep. Joker's absolutely spectacular. Absolutely great. So we welcome you aboard here. Please hit the like button, guys. We got so much to hit on. By the way, with OTAs going on, an absolute mountain of conversation today. I got to do this to you. Do you feel this youth vibe that these Georgia Bulldog guys are bringing to the Eagles? Do, do, do you guys feel like there's a vibe? I mean, like a, like a young vibe and like a youthness to the team now. There's like energy, added energy to, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, 
when I watch these guys going through drills, and again, too, you're sitting around talking about guys in helmets and shorts, and I get it. But to me, there's like an energy that they're putting into this organization that's already on high octane. These Georgia guys are bringing some cool stuff to the team. The, the, the young energy. Every football team needs to have that, in my opinion. That's what keeps you young. Do you know when Coach Johnson was building those championship teams in Dallas, they were the youngest team in the NFL when they won their first Super Bowl. That's kind of what we're seeing here a little bit with the, with the Eagles. By the way, today, my top 20 NFL players, the Big Sills top 20 NFL football players. We're going to do that here in a second. Love the vibes, though. Bottom of the hour, Rick Barry will join us. And we will talk with him about that nightmare that we saw last night. All right. One thing I did want to get out of the way here. We had a conversation the other day about the true threats to the Eagles this year coming up in the NFC. I'm not talking the whole league. I think the AFC, you could put a bunch of teams' names in a hat and come out with an order, and I'd be pretty cool with the top five teams. If you like the Bills to be the favorites, I'm cool with that. Chiefs, you know, every one of those AFC teams may have – am I right when I say this? Am I right when I say this? The AFC may have the better quarterbacks, but they got a lot of teams with a lot of holes in it. Whereas the NFC has some pretty good rosters. There's some, there's some pretty good rosters that are in the NFC. So I wrote down my top 10 teams in the NFC. And I wrote these teams down here. These are the top 10 teams that I wrote. And by the way, my boy Elliot Spitzer Polly Shore, or Shore, whatever his name is, is at it again with Jalen Hurts. So I'm going to get to that in a minute as well. So I wrote these teams down. Here are my top 10 teams as of now on June 2nd. I know you're going to kill me on this one. I put the Rams 10. Why? Well, you do have Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, and Aaron Donald. And Matthew Stafford. I get it. That team has more holes in it than Swiss cheese. You still have some top flight players on that team. Okay? You, you, you still have top flight players on that football team. And is that division winnable by anybody, really? Are you buying Geno for a second year in a row? Dude, I mean, I mean 11. Then again, I, I found it tough. Here, what are you going to put there at 10? Atlanta? The Panthers? The Bears? The Packers? Who are you? Who's better than the Rams at 10? I mean, right? Who's better? Arizona? This is Jamison. This is the NFC. These are the threats to the Eagles in the NFC. Not NFL, NFC. 
So I got Rams at 10. I do have the Panthers. See, I think the Rams are more accomplished. And I think the Rams have a better coach. But I think the Panthers have a better roster. And now that you have Bryce Young there and Frank Reich, there's more prospect conversation here. You know, there's more on the unknown with the Panthers. The Rams, you kind of know what they are. Won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Lost a ton of players due to age and free agency. Okay? So, there are more question marks in Carolina. So, I got the Panthers at nine. I, I got the Giants at eight. And I put the Giants here at eight. I think they're going to walk back a little bit. Think again, when you're looking at the NFC, D-Hop would help them immensely. I think Barkley is probably pissed off because of the contract he got and turned down. Um, Daniel Jones, will he be better with another year with Brian Dable? You know, they got a good player in the offensive line, finally. They got a good player in the defensive line. Um, I got the Giants at eight. Am, 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 what's this? am I really, like, do I think, if the Giants were in the AFC, and they're not even, I think they're a top 15 team, maybe. The Saints are at seven for me. I, I, I think, Derek Carr is going to bring something to that team. The coach I don't like. Their defense has talent. Michael Thomas is still there. Alvin Kamara, from what I'm understanding, is not locked up in jail yet. Okay, so the Saints, to me, of all the teams in the NFC, what kind of impact is Derek Carr going to make on that division? You know, when he played against the Eagles two years ago, he ripped you a new one. What do you have, like 90% completion percentage against that defense? That was the top 10 defense two years ago. He destroyed the Eagles. I mean, he, I, I, I don't know how, well, how many incomplete passes did he have in that game? Two, three? He was incredible against the Eagles. He crushed them. Um, so, I mean, I mean, when he was on the field against the Philadelphia Eagle defense, he destroyed that defense. And so I'm going by the premise here. If you're going to throw a defensive scheme like the Eagles have right now at Derek Carr, he's going to slice you up too. So Derek Carr's not a bad quarterback. You know, you guys sit there and say that, well, Derek Carr's not that good. He kicked your ass from one end zone to the other end zone. It really wasn't close. And I think Derek Carr makes that Saints team overall better. So, believe me, the, the Saints are one of the teams that I've circled that I want to see what this kid does because, hey, his career is also on the line here. This guy's career is on the line. So, again, I'm putting my top 10 NFC teams in here right out of the top of the show here. Got Rams 10, Panthers 9, Giants 8, Saints 7. I, I had a tough one with this one at six. I put the Lions here. Now, Jamison Williams comes back after his suspension. 
I'll tell you what, too. DeAndre Hopkins' name is now kind of surfacing in Detroit. So you put DeAndre Hopkins and you have Jamison Williams and with that offense, you add D-Hop to that Detroit team, holy shit, you're looking at something pretty good up there. That would be some. See what I'm saying? Okay, is D-Hop D-Hop of four years ago? No. But would he be good with someone else? Absolutely. You put him with the Lions, the Lions could be one of your top three teams in the NFC. See, to me, the only question mark that I have with Detroit, go do it. A lot of talent. A lot of talent, right? Go do it. So I have the Lions at six. It's a hell of a roster. Penny Sewell in the O-line, Aiden Hutchinson on the other side. They're getting better on both sides of the ball. They're kind of building the team the same way Philadelphia does. They feel they upgraded at running back. Linebacking core, probably. Oh, they well, they went and drafted a kid in the first round at linebacker. Back end got better with Gardner Johnson being added. Detroit's got a good football team. And I and I said this a couple months ago. I think of all the teams that you guys played in the NFC, not in the playoffs and in the regular season, the team that gave the Eagles the biggest fits was the Lions in game one. That was the Eagles' toughest game. Philadelphia's toughest game with all the participants on the field, both sides, the Lions were the toughest team he played. Who would have thought that? Then again, it wasn't a really big-time schedule a year ago. But at the end of the day, Philadelphia had to play 60 minutes of football to beat that Lions team. Okay? Now we get to the top five. I got the Vikings at five. Do, do, do you guys remember back in the day? How many times did you do this? Some of you guys may be too young for this. Every time that the Denver Broncos made it to the Super Bowl, didn't we all do this? Shit, this is going to be a shitty Super Bowl, and the team from the NFC is going to blow that team out. We always went like this. Jesus, really? The Broncos? The Broncos aren't going to win anything. This was before the Terrell Davis era. Okay, we all went like this. Oh, man, not the Broncos again. Giants would beat them. You know, I mean, the Cowboys would pound them. We, we always did that, right? So, but now you have Brian Flores as your D coordinator. You're going to massively get an upgrade, and there's going to be a lot of energy on that side of the ball. And when you got better, you they became a better coached unit because Brian Flores is now the defensive coordinator. That means a lot to me. You see, your coordinate, get this, the Philadelphia, you don't think you have a better D coordinator in Philadelphia than they do in Minnesota, do you? Your, your D coordinate, and by the way, I like the hire, but he's not better than Brian Flores. Brian Flores was part of the architect that turned the Dolphins around, and all, they got better under his, under his direction. The Dolphins got better every year under his direction. And he was in New England for 17 years. He's a hell of a coach. That's an upgrade. 
The Vikings have a better defensive coordinator than Philadelphia does. Okay? So, you got better coaching. You get better coaching on defense. They needed that. That was an issue that they had last year. Every time they got into big-time games against big-time quarterbacks, their defensive coordinator was nowhere to be seen and was so predictable. You're not going to have predictability with Brian Flores. I think they did some good things in free agency. I think they did great things in the draft. I like the Vikings, but again, it comes back to one thing, right? Kirk Cousins. I get you. I think Kirk Cousins gets you to a limit. And by the way, Kirk Cousins, he's the floor of what you want your quarterback to be better than. He's a good player. He's just not elite. We're going to talk a little bit about that word elite here in a minute. The Vikings are, how about this? The Vikings and the Lions, both. You go like this. I don't know. One's the quarterback. Who would have thought that if you, hey, real quick, if if you had to pick a quarterback between the Vikings and Lions, would you take Jared Goff or would you take Kirk Cousins in a game you had to win? I'd probably take Jared Goff. I'd, I'd probably take Goff because Goff's gotten to a Super Bowl. Goff's won big games. Goff is turning around. Hey, he's turning around to Detroit Lions. Get this, Tone. Who would have thought three years after the trade, the Lions are in better shape than the Rams? Who would have thought that? The line, get this. Seattle trades Russell Wilson. They're better off. And the, Ram, and the Lions trade Matthew Stafford, and they're better off. Okay. Plus, you have Justin Jefferson. I mean, you got Justin Jefferson on that football team in Minnesota. Dude, he's a weapon. (laughs) He is a great football player. Wait till you hear what I say when it comes to the top 20 NFL players. We're going to do that probably after Rick Barry. Oh, wait. I got a Jalen Hurts comment I want to make here in a couple minutes here. Yeah, Elliot Spitzer Shorty guy from the um, Philadelphia Inquirer's at it again. I just it 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 he 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 is so over the top with his with his reporting on how you look at somebody. It's crazy. Anyway, so here's the top four teams now in the NFC. Big Sills top ten. I got Seattle at four. Nice move for defensive tackle and free agency. I love DK Metcalf. I love they bring Bobby Wagner back. We talked to Warren Moon yesterday. There's more personnel on the team defensively, which was a problem for that team a year ago. Pete Carroll's got that team looking exactly like it did when they were on those Super Bowl runs early in Russell Wilson's career. And... Will Geno Smith, and I asked Warren Moon this yesterday, does he think Warren, Warren does, you know, he does think that Geno's going to put another good year together. Seattle had a really good draft. That's surprising too. 
Look at Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's a modern-day Jimmy Johnson, and I'll tell you how. He evaluates college talent correctly. He finds guys in ladder rounds. He's got a defensive mentality. He's got a formula on how he wants to win games. And he modifies that formula a little bit. But at the end result, it's the greatest era of football in the history of Seattle Seahawks football under the tutelage of Pete Carroll. He's the best coach they've ever had. He is. That includes Mike Holmgren. Pete Carroll has done a better job with the Seattle Seahawks organization than any coach in history, including Tom Flores, Hall of Fame coach, Mike Holmgren, Super Bowl winning coach. He's the best coach in that franchise's history. And when they hired him, everyone went, that was really his dream. I said this, that was Pete Carroll's dream job, coaching the Seattle Seahawks? Why? Well, he has turned it into a dream job. Pete's done a hell of a job there, man. When you can can leave an organization as the greatest coach in franchise history, you've done your job. Like, in the Super Bowl era, who's the greatest coach in Eagle history? If you tell me Andy Reid, you've had more disappointments with that coach than any coach in Eagle history in the Super Bowl era. Andy Reid has given you more disappointment than any coach in the history of the franchise. Okay? Andy Reid? So you enjoyed finishing second? Okay. I Hey. My point is it's a debate. Dick Vermeil? Wait a minute. So you think Andy Andy was more important to the franchise than Vermeil was coming out of that owner who was basically trying to gamble the franchise away and they were still winning. Really? See, the point I'm making here though, between Pete Carroll and Andy Reid and Doug Peterson and Dick Vermeil. The point I'm making, you can debate it. Seattle, you can't debate it. Okay? You can't debate that. Now, here are your top three teams. And by the way, maybe I have to agree with CBS a little bit when it comes to rosters here. Vermeil completely shifted direction of the franchise. Could be him, right? He made, do you understand something? That Dick Vermeil made it fashionable to beat the Cowboys. The mantra in Philadelphia is to beat Dallas every year. Started with him. The complete transformation of turning that franchise around from the 1960 title all the way until where you are right now was because of Vermeil. Vermeil turned he he turned the tide on Philadelphia Eagle football. I think it was a joke show. That thing was a joke show from 1965 probably until 1973. It was a joke show. The Eagles were nowhere. So, I mean, again, I'm not, that's not kind of where we are here, but the point about what Pete has done in Seattle, there's no debate. There's no debate. Buddy Ryan gave 
Buddy Ryan gave the Eagles an attitude that represented the here, let me let me tell here's how I look at all your coaches. It's funny. Let me let me circle where I'm at here. I want to stop because I want to get to the top three. Here, here's here's my take on your coaches in the Super Bowl era that I consider great. For me, I'll turn the entire franchise around where it's expected to win in Philly. Buddy Ryan is the only coach in that city that personified the city. He was the city. Tough, in your face, fuck you attitude. He was that guy. The reason why you have a great affection for Ryan, because he's you. When you see an Eagle coach, you see that guy looking back in you in the mirror. That's who you see. You see that guy. Everything about him. Anti-management. The guy in France. Killing people on the field. Body bag games. Okay? He, he was just louder than Dick Vermeil. Andy Reid brought stability, structure, and a way to go about winning games and more creativity in the offense. If Randall Cunningham had Andy Reid, they'd have won three Super Bowls. Okay? They'd have won three Super Bowls if Randall Cunningham had Andy Reid as his coach. Because Andy wouldn't have jammed shit down his throat. He doesn't do it with Mahomes. He kind of tailors an offense around Mahomes and keeps him inside the guardrails. You see, that's the one thing they tried to do after Ryan left Philadelphia with, with Randall Cunningham. They brought in a very structured John Gruden, and it destroyed the relationship and the offense because Randall can't play inside that kind of box. He can't play in that sandbox. It was too small. You got to let Randall be Randall. It's kind of what they're doing with Jalen now. They're letting Jalen be Jalen. Okay? They'd have won three Super Bowls. Okay? Who said I said that the Eagles got lucky winning a ring? Who said that? I, I hope you're talking about somebody else. Who said that? You beat the living shit out of that Patriots team. Best O-line, D-line in the game? The Patriots were waving the white flag at the end of the game. No one ever said that. Randall played pretty good in the box in Minnesota. I never thought he was in the box in Minnesota. I, I, I thought Dennis Green let him play. Dennis Green allowed him to be him. That's not how I saw that. Okay? Sills, thank you as always for your time, passion, and content. Quickly, my favorite big Sills quote. One thing I've never done in my life, eat half a sandwich. <laughs> thank you, cue ball. Big Sills is not a half a sandwich guy, my friend. Uh, Joe Kyle said the Eagles have. Okay, thank you, Slasher. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, dude, the Eagles beat that Patriot team up. What did the Patriots do the next year? The Patriots pulled the page out of the Eagle 
playbook and beat up the Rams. <laughs> okay. All right, let me get here. My 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 top 10 NFC teams. Rams 10, Panthers 9, Giants 8, Saints 7, Lions 6, Vikings 5, Seahawks 4. Here are your top three. I do think the Cowboys are three. Um, and here, Cowboys might even be two. And for the record, I've made a prediction. I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are going to play in the NFC title game. I've already said that. Tone, right? I've already said this. I think it's Eagles and Cowboys in the NFC Championship game at Lincoln Financial. I do. Okay. Niners two, Eagles one. We'll we'll re we'll reset this, but we are very fortunate. My friend and Hall of Famer Rick Berry, who by the way, annihilated it the last time he was on the program is traveling right now. He's at an airport. He joins us right now here on the show here. Hey, 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 thank you so much, Rick, for doing it. Rick, you blew up last week. Everyone, they love to comment on what you were saying about J.J. Reddick and such. And, dude, your, 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 your takes have been great, and you were right on about Joker. I've never seen, Rick, a more non-athletic guy in my life be so skilled and so great. Rick, yeah, he was amazing last night. Well, he's been amazing for the last number of seasons, and they you know, should have been the MVP again this year. Um, you know, and we talk, I talk about it all the time, like a, like a broken record and beating a dead horse, but I got to keep doing it. Get an MVP for the Western Conference, an MVP for the Eastern Conference, because you have an unbalanced schedule. Then you can pick an MVP for the championship series. Uh, this guy is, is so much fun to watch. And, he, and I was really impressed with how well – Denver played and how dominating they were considering they hadn't played active competition in nine days. I mean, I, I was blown away. And and I heard what Mike Malone said to, to his team in the locker room afterwards, and he was right on. Guys, we have to stay focused the entire time. They had the big lead at the end and going into the fourth and they had an eight, oh, eight to nothing run on them. He says, we can't do that. I, I, what he said was just perfect. Uh, I, I, I've liked this team all season long. I think they're the better team. I think they will win. Uh, and of course, they have the right attitude. You know, so we've done nothing yet. We have three more games we have to win. They need to get after it on Sunday, and I think they will. Rick, what 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 makes him so good? Do you, I mean, look, to me, he looks so much more skilled than a guy like Shaq, but yet Shaq's a dominating physical force. But yet, if I had to have a guy on my floor in my starting five, I might take the Joker over Shaquille O'Neal because – he does more. Yeah, he does. Um, he, he's, he's a pretty special player. Um, he's got the size, and he knows, and he uses his body when he needs to use his body. He doesn't necessarily physical overpower people like Shaq was able to do or like Wilt could do because he was so powerful and strong. Um, and like you say, he's, he's not the super athlete. He's not, he's not going to be going over people, dunking shots. And, and I, but, but he sees the floor. He has, it's like, he watches the game in slow motion. He, he does. He's the epitome of what I try to tell players to do when you play what the defense gives you. Let the game come to you. Don't try to force things. This is what happened to Boston again. I mean, Brown and, and, 
Tatum, they have a tendency to try to force it. I call call it the the Westbrook syndrome because Westbrook is that kind of player. He just tries to make things happen that aren't necessarily there. Take make it simple, like they say. Keep it simple, stupid. Take the easy route. Don't try to do something super spectacular. At times, you'll be able to do something super spectacular. And that's that's the joker. I mean, it, the passes he makes, the, the court vision that he has, it's beautiful. It absolutely is beautiful. I tell you what, I'm excited because I just did the draft for the big three. I drafted a kid this for this team that I watched video of who played with my son when my son played with the, with the Timberwolves G League team in, in, in Iowa. And I'm going to tell you, this kid – does a lot of stuff like Joker makes passes. And I mean, I was kind of shocked. He's only 26 year old. I can't believe he hasn't had a chance in the A team yet. So I'm really excited about that because I love the Joker. The Joker is just so much fun to watch. Two of my favorite players to watch in, in all of basketball that I've watched over the years. Definitely the Joker and, and Steph Curry. Let, let, let me deviate off the NBA finals for a second. Would you give, if you're Philadelphia, would you give, James Harden a four-year, two hundred million dollar deal. No. Why? Simple. He's at the end of his career. Worth four, not worth fifty million dollars a year. I mean, and, and I admire the fact. And that's nothing against James Harden. He's an incredible talent, but he adjusted his game and did a lot of really good things to change from the way that he was when he played at Houston, where he was given carte blanche to do whatever he wanted, dominated the ball for 20 of the 24 seconds, sometimes 22 seconds. And then all of a sudden you're on the team. Next thing you know, you got to pass with two seconds or one second on the shot clock and you got to fire it up. I don't think he was a selfish player. I just don't think he was utilized as effectively as he could have. And, and they didn't put in a system that would have taken advantage of his full skills. Uh, but at this stage of his career, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. And Warriors have the same issue. They have to think about with Clay Thompson. Would you? Would you bring Draymond back, or would you bring um, Clay back? Which one would you bring back, or would maybe you don't bring any of them back now that Bob Myers is no longer there? Well, this is going to be interesting to see. They have a lot of decisions to make. Um, and again, you know, Clay is one of them. I heard a trade bandied about talking Reeves and uh, Ochamora or whatever the hell you pronounce his name for the Lakers going to the Warriors for Clay Thompson. And the Warriors would also get a 2029 draft pick. You know, it's way down the road, but, you know, you have to build a team. It's nice to have those draft picks. You don't know what's going to come along five years down the road. Um, but, you know, for Clay, and if somebody's willing to give Clay and he, he wants to get money and that's all he cares about doing, uh, you know, he may be up for it to go someplace where he gets the big max contract if the Warriors aren't willing to give him. Uh, I mean, he's been great for them, and, and maybe they will. That's a decision that they have to make. But certainly if they didn't do it, you can understand why. He, again, is at the end of his career. He's had two major, major injuries. He's not the player he was two years ago, okay? And, and he's been, always been the a roller coaster offensively with a shooting didn't shoot the ball particularly well in the playoffs for him i mean it was good for a normal person but not for clay thompson uh and so there's a big decisions to be made you know same thing what do you do with jordan Poole? he got all the big money even though he averaged 20 game he didn't perform well in the playoffs um the draymond green such is another one if you have Poole, do you keep draymond because that seemed to be something and even steve kirsten he thought that had an impact on his team you know i don't know because i wasn't there and and it very well could could because everybody's psyche is different, right? Some people yeah. don't react well to that. Other people just 
just blow it off and say, okay, it's fine. You know, goodbye. Let's go. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's a number of things that the Warriors have to consider for what they're going to do to try to take advantage of the next few years that Steph Curry still has left to possibly play at this incredible high level that he's performed at. You know, you know, Rick, I know, I know you're traveling. So a couple last questions here. Let me throw this at you. You think it's a sweep? Heat and Nuggets, you think the Nuggets take them out? Well, sweeps are difficult to do. Uh, you know, Miami's done a great job. I mean, a number eight seed to be the number one seed is not something that you expect to happen in the NBA Finals. Credit to Miami and, and their exposure for what they've been able to do uh, to come this far. I think the game yesterday was a pretty good indication of which team is the better team. And my whole thing is, is if both teams play their best game, Every time they step on the court, there's no way that Denver's not going to win. Okay, let me let me. You know, coaching. Couple NBA questions. Monty Williams gets thirteen million dollars a year to coach the Detroit Pistons, and he was just canned. Rick, I've never seen a league with more good quality coaches that get fired. I know you can't fire the players, so the scapegoat is traditionally um, the coaches. But man, what's a guy like Eric Spolstra worth? If that guy now is worth $13 million a year to coach the Pistons, maybe they had to give him that money to go to Detroit because it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a long rebuild there. But, I mean, are you shocked about the money, Williams' money? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally shocked that I remember Kevin Lockray used to fight about and talk about the fact that he thought coaches were underpaid. And they were. I mean, certainly they were way back in the day. And now it's to the point where I don't know what the NBA is thinking. It's the same way with the players. You know, they were not paid properly based upon the money that was being brought in. And it's like you go from one extreme to the other for, you know, from being lowballing them and then paying them way more than maybe they're worth. I mean, what the heck are they thinking about? You know, obviously, you know, a, a good coach, you know, they didn't win the way they expected him to win. But I mean, hey, he didn't miss shots. You know, he did not play defense. You know, so certainly was it his fault that that happened? And maybe it's the fault of the players who are around them. A lot of times coaches, I think, get far too much credit, but they also get far too much blame. And a lot of times the people who screw it up are really the general managers because the general manager is the one that bring the team together. And I know what's that like now, coaching like in the big three. I didn't get to pick all my players. I just You have to coach what's given to you, right? Yep. Okay. Well, hell, you know, who should be responsible First and foremost, the guy that brought the players there, they give you chicken crap and you're supposed to make chicken salad out of it. That's an easy thing to do. You know, I mean, and so my whole thing is I don't know why teams don't allow the coaches to have a big say in who they bring in as players, because then it's justifiable to fire the coach. If he gets the players he wants and he can't get them to play at the high level, then his head should be on the block as well as the GM. I mean, but that's what happens. It's like the GMs used and the coaches are the scapegoats for them. A lot of GMs should have been fired a long time ago. You know, God rest his soul. He's one of my, you know, heroes, my boy, you're hero in basketball. And I loved him and got to know him, you know, Elgin Baylor and stuff. Elgin didn't do a very good job as the general manager of the Clippers for so many years, but they kept them along and they kept firing the coaches. You know, it's the guy who brings in the personnel. That's the guy that should be responsible. Final question for you. What'd you make of the Sixers hiring of Nick Nurse? Well, you know, I mean, he's had success, but again, the recycling of coaches who, you know, who do it and they fail and then they someplace else and they get another job. And it just depends upon, you know, you have to really analyze why did he get fired? What happened? What did he do with that team? Could he have done better? You really have to understand what, what the intricacies are of it, what the internal things that took place and do as much 
deep diving as you can to make a definitive decision as to whether or not this coach is deserving of getting that opportunity to get. And I've always said, give some other guys a chance to do it. I've always believed that if you get the right player who knows the game, he can be super successful because he's experienced it from all different levels. Uh, you know, I, I wish him well. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, it didn't break my heart, to be honest with you, that, you know, my least favorite guy was, you know, let go because of what he did, screwed my buddy Clifford Ray over. So he got what he deserved. I mean, life is really interesting at times. You know, sometimes you treat people like crap and you pay a price for it. And here he was making all the money he's made as coaches and stuff. And you just don't treat people that way. So I wish Nick all the best. <laughs> and it doesn't break my heart that Doc got fired. <laughs> This is why I love you, Rick. I really do. Hey, by the way, what are you doing? I, hey, by, I heard you're doing the big three now, which we had Ice Cube on two weeks ago. I so love that. You're involved with it. You know, one of the most important things that he said about guys like you, Rick? Rick, you've got such a brand that still today resonates. I don't give a shit what people think. How? I mean, you're one of the top 20 players. I saw where the Athletic had you ranked as one of the top 25, all subjective, of course, players in the history of the NBA. I mean, Rick, we're talking about in the world, not like in the NFL where we're talking about North America. You're one of the top 25 players in the history of the world. I mean, and that, that brand should never go away, and other people should benefit from your knowledge. Well, the thing that's disappointing to me is, is that I've offered my service to a number of individual players and all I can say, and they've not taken me up on it, all I know is that I got a chance to speak to Jerry West. I mean, I listened to him like God was talking to me, some suggestions and things that he had. And if somebody in your profession who has had success comes up to you and is willing to, to, to sit down with you and to go with you and to work with you and to help you improve your game, why would you not at least listen to that? You don't have to do it. But why wouldn't you take the time to hear what it is they had to say or she had to say, if it's in the women's sports, whatever, and analyze it and see if it makes some sense to do it? Why would you not want to do everything that is humanly possible to improve yourself and get better? I mean, it, it's mind numbing to me. I mean, I've said to a lot of number of guys, I could show you some things that you're not doing that can take your game to another level. You're already a great player now, but you're not doing some things that will help make you even better. And nobody wants to take me up on it. I mean, they take me up on it and pay me, for God's sake. I mean, advice from you is not free, dude. That's what I tell people. Hey, you know, I'll help you out here, man. But guess what? Hey, you know what, man? Yeah. Big seals don't work for hey, boys anymore. Even, even on free throws to do stuff. I said, you know, bring me in and let me work with somebody. You know, like if they did something, well, Shaq didn't, told him he just didn't want to do it. So they were afraid to say, no, you have to do it. How's that? How is it? If you were to tell your boss that when you're working the station, you're working the station, uh, they teach you to go and do this and everything. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, and you're getting paid multi-millions of dollars and you're telling them that you will not do something that they want you to do to make you better and help you help their, their the team that they own better. And you can tell them no. I mean, I just don't understand that. I really and truly don't. I understand. Hey, hey Rick, have a safe flight. We'll catch up with you again. NBA Finals is going to be interesting. Game two is Sunday night. Have a great one, Rick. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. God bless everybody. You got it. That is our dear friend, Rick Barry, and he was kind enough to help us out here as we watched a little bit of that nightmare last night in game one. I want to reset everything right now. We're not taking a timeout. 
Tone, by the way, please make sure we get that soundbite up on Twitter. Rick Barry does not believe that the 76ers should give James Harden a four-year $200 million deal. I don't think there's anybody in Philadelphia. That's not like mind-breaking like news or nobody's going on a limb here. I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks that he's a four-year $200 million guy. I really don't. All right, I want to reset. And then I'm going to get into the word once again, elite. And it surrounds your boy, Jalen. Jesus, criminy. Oh, this is where my IT guy gets a little sideways. Tone also starts closing one eye, and they put the patch over the eye when I start going in that conversation. So we're going to do that here in a minute. But I want to I close up what we were talking about. We started the show out, and we put the top 10 teams in the NFC out there. And I got 10. I got Rams. Nine, I have Panthers. Eight, I have Giants. Seven, I have Saints. Six, I have Lions. Five, I have Vikings. Four, Seahawks. Three, I did put the Cowboys there. The Cowboys have the better quarterback than the 49ers. Okay? They have the better quarterback. 49ers are better everywhere. Watch this. 49ers have a better wideout, a better defensive player, a better offensive lineman. They probably have a better safety. They have a better linebacker. They have all those guys except quarterback. That's where Dallas one-ups the Niners. But I do have them third. Dallas has the third best roster in the NFC. Okay? They do. I got the 49ers two, and I got the Eagles one. So here are my top 10 NFC teams. Rams 10, Panthers 9, Giants 8, Saints 7, Lions 6, Vikings 5, Seahawks 4, Cowboys 3, Niners 2, Eagles are 1. All right. I'm going to say something here to you guys. And you're probably not going to dig it. Oh, <laughs> Tone and James won't. Jalen Hurts is not an elite quarterback. He's trending that way. Elliot Shore, Pauly Spitzer guy. Man, watching Jalen today in helmets and shorts, it just shows you what an elite player he is. He's not an elite player. He's trending that way. That's the facts. He's not an elite player yet. He's not. Not yet. Watch this. Am I more in the position that I think he'll become one of the great quarterbacks in the game? Yes. This is not a rip job. And if you take it that way, you must get burnt over spilt milk and burnt toast because you're not listening. Okay? Did you see the report that just came out about Wilson and the Eagles? Keep up the great content. Don, thank you very much. Okay? Not an elite passer, but the whole package, including leadership. Wait a minute. 
relative. Why do you think I have a problem? Let me let me let me do this. Bear goes like this: If Jalen is not elite, neither is Josh Allen. Correct. Correct. Okay, you're right. Okay. Right now, we're only talking talent. And again, you keep putting the fact that Jalen Hurts was the leader of the team that went to the Super Bowl. Okay? So was Jimmy Garoppolo. So was Carson Wentz. All those guys were elite in their process. When I get in my fanboy bag... I'm all about calling Jalen elite, but my true definition of elite is consistency. Bold, bold letters and cap letters from tone. And Jalen had one great year. Like you said, he's trending that way. And I completely believe that and agree with that. Also, the term elite is thrown around way too loosely. It is. The greatest player on the planet is thrown around too loosely. Dude, seriously. I'm going to show you what the words elite are. Do you know what elite is? How many NFL players are elite in the NFL today? Aaron Donald. Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey. Like, the kid Sauce Gardner, one year, calling him the best corner in the game. Okay, great. You had a great year, kid. Congratulations to you. Okay? Huh. Tone's got a great take. I personally believe there's only one elite guy. To call a guy an elite quarterback, Jalen Hurts does not have more talent than Josh Allen, but he applies his talent better than Josh Allen. Tom Brady never had better talent than Aaron Rodgers, but he applied his talent better than Rodgers. And the intangibles mattered more with Brady and Hurts than with Allen and Rodgers. There are fine lines to this. There are fine lines when you're talking about an elite quarterback, I get. I bet the kid. What's his What's his true name? Elliot. What? I don't even know what his name is. Nor I really don't care. But he covers the team for WIP. And I get it's the flagship station, but I mean they were probably all saying and they were saying all the same things like this about Wentz. Do I consider Lane Johnson elite? Absolutely. Absolutely. An elite player. Elite. Top of his profession. Absolutely. The years he's put in, the winning he's put in, the dominance he puts in. And by the way, do you know how do you not know how you know when you see an elite guy when he ain't playing? <laughs> and all of a sudden you're watching a shit show. And you put Jack Driscoll in. Is Howie elite? Good question. Yeah, because he's won a chip, been to two NFC title games all under his direction. Yeah. 
He's an elite GM. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nick Sirianni's so far from elite, it's ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I don't care what Ross Tucker says. That guy's not the fifth best coach in the NFL. Are you crazy? Really? You would take Nick Sirianni over Pete Carroll. He'd coach that guy's pants off him. Not even remotely close. Jason Kelsey. Yes, that's an elite ball player. That's an elite player. Yes. There aren't even five elite left tackles in the NFL. Dude, absolutely. Trent Williams, Lane Johnson. We're talking about complete tackles. Right tackles? Dude, how about this one for Lane? When we're talking elite, Lane's probably the best right tackle I've seen in 20 years. You want to know what elite is? That's elite. (laughs) He's probably the best right tackle in 20 years. Okay? But what does that mean? Like, look, once again, this is not a rip job on Hertz. And, And just because you get paid that money doesn't make you elite. Kyle Murray... Kyler Murray got paid, and he's not elite. Derek Carr got paid, he's not elite. Dak Prescott got paid. And by the way, when their contracts were up, they were the highest paid players in the league too. So you're telling me those guys were elite because they got the money? Most of the people that get paid aren't elite. The quarterback, because what, what, what's, what's the famous line that fans and media people have? Well, he's the next guy up. That don't make you elite because you're the next guy up. Like, look at Lamar. Look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a great. He, he's he, he's a great exercise in this conversation. Unanimous MVP, All Pro, Pro Bowls, touchdown passing leader, um, winning a lot of games. Then you start turning around, going, okay, well he's checked all the boxes except the postseason. See, his next step now, Lamar, okay, Lamar, you set the bar to this. You've been a unanimous MVP. You've led the NFL in touchdown passes. You've won a boatload of games. Next level is this. Okay, you got to win games that matter. That's where you make your resume and your legacy. You make your legacy in the postseason. Okay? By the way, I'm going to give you my top 20 players in the NFL at the top of the hour. Okay, not elite, very good. Again, but remember something when you say that. Dude, Lamar Jackson is 10 times more accomplished than than Jalen. And he's a year older. So before you start calling Jalen elite, got to a Super Bowl, that's a team effort, not a single individual effort. That's a team effort. Was he the catalyst? Yeah, like Wentz was. Got to share it. You have to share it with everyone. Because it's a team accomplishment. Those MVP accolades, all pros. Again, this is not a rip session. But do I think Lamar Jackson's elite? No. He's awful accomplished. Is Jalen Hurts accomplished? Two Pro Bowls, um, 
second team all pro. Yeah. Starting. That's pretty good stuff. He's a comp. He's he, an, a, part of an NFC championship where the quarterback gets the credit. Hey, I can't give credit to other players and not give credit to Jalen because that goes on his resume as well, that he's an NFC title winner and he has a ring and he's a quarterback on that team. The same way Wentz gets credit for having his name on a Super Bowl ring. Okay? All the play, all the praise and all the blame, right? But again, when I hear people saying that, watching a guy in helmets and shorts going, it just shows you how elite he is. He's not elite yet. He's trending so much in that direction that it's really incredible. I'll tell you, like I, like I, I, I put this out there to you guys. I, the only other guy that I've ever seen have that leap from one year of a starter to the second year. No, not even. Because when Marino burst onto the scene, he burst onto the scene. He was thrown for 400 yards right away in, in an era where they only threw the ball 25 times a game. He was he was just insane. Um, Brady, get this, the greatest player in the history of the NFL, many people now would say that Tom Brady's that guy, the greatest NFL player. You know, he, he, he didn't blow your doors off right away. He didn't have Jerry Rice wow games. I mean, right? Remember that first Super Bowl they beat, what was it, the Rams? I mean, he got Vinatieri in position to kick a field goal. I mean, he was clutching the game. But the, I don't remember early on Tom Brady going, wow, ever. Do you? Do you? Like, when I watched Kurt Warner play, I went like this. Holy shit. This guy's throwing 50-yard bombs, like, at a clip. You, <laughs> how about this? Kurt Warner surprised me more than any other quarterback maybe in the last 25 years coming from nowhere. Jalen's coming from nowhere. He's only been in the only been the NFL for three years and only started for two seasons. One learning year and a great year. We need to slow the train down. Weapon. Kind of what I'm saying here, too. Maybe you want to pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not saying with your enthusiasm for the kid. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Brady Brady runs goofy, right? Why doesn't Lane get mentioned along all the tackles? Because he plays right tackle. 41 to 3-3, because he plays right tackle. Right tackles are not considered the elite tackles. There's a reason why they pay the majority of the big money on the left side to protect the blind side. Okay, and when you say he's only given up so few sacks in the last two, three years. Well, I mean, he's front side of the quarterback. The quarterback gets out of that way a lot of times too. But the difference is this. You see Lane stuffing guys at the line of scrimmage. Okay? And he has this advantage. The quarterback has sight of the guy rushing over Lane. Malata has the tougher job. Malata, are you under guys under the impression that Malata doesn't have the tougher job? Malata has the tougher job than Lane. Lane's the better player. Okay? Lane's the better player. Malata's got the tougher job. It's the blind side. That's why blind side offensive linemen. And this is why Trent Williams makes 
$27 million a year. He makes $27 million a year for a reason. And, and that's why Lane's not in the I Do I believe, hey, having watched him for three years, I just never really got why the, the Eagles didn't put him over there. He clearly could play left tackle. And he would be right there with Trent. I don't, I don't, he's one of the few guys that I could see playing the left tackle position and it not mattering really. I don't think, I, I don't think it would matter. I, I really don't. I think he's that good. But to put him at right tackle, and guys go like this, he hasn't given a sack up. Well, your big pass rushers are not going to rush over the right offensive tackle. They rush off the blind side. Don't you guys get that? Well, Lane hasn't given up a lot. Hey, look, I'm, 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 I, look, you know what I think of the guy. And if you're new to the program, <clears throat> ask anybody in here. You know what I think of Lane. But the, the elite pass rushers don't pass rush over him. They pass rush on the on the weak side, coming off the blind side. That's why they make the most. <clears throat> Yale brings the point up. Is that lesser lane? Or uh, to Yale's point, is that lesser today? Probably because they do slide fronts. You're constantly more in a, in a, in a nickel package. 70% of the time, you're more in a third down package look which means you've got rushers all over the board. That's probably true. It's lesser today. Still, the elite pass rushers don't rush from the strong side. They rush from the weak side. That's common knowledge. Keon doesn't like what I'm saying. <laughs> Again, dude, it's the truth. It's not. LT is a top priority. It's the blind side. Everyone knows that. Okay. Like, Trent Williams is the best tackle in the game because he plays the more difficult position. And as I said on the Eagles, Malata's got the tougher job. Lane's the better player. That's why I always wondered why they wouldn't reverse that. The priority position on the Eagles' offensive line, it goes like this in priority. Left tackle, center, right guard, left guard, right guard. That's the list and how it goes when you're tech talking about paying people. And remember, follow the money. Just follow the money. If you follow the money, you'll understand where the priority is when you're talking about paying old linemen. If Lane Johnson... <clears throat> I agree, LT's harder, but... Is there a blind side anymore? The RPO quarterbacks, maybe, maybe that's the factor too for four, one, two, three. Maybe, maybe that's more the factor too. LT's the reason, yeah, because LT he blitzed off the blind side. Malata is a top ten tackle, no question about it. Malata is a top ten. Is is a top ten? All right, I am going to give you. My top 20 NFL football players. We're 100 days out from the start of the NFL season. And I wrote, no matter what the position is, no matter what the position is, I'm going to give you my top 10 NFL football players. We're going to do that at the top. Please hit the like button. 
I appreciate everybody coming aboard on this Friday. Hour two coming up. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Thank you, National Football Show, appreciate it Let me, um This is gonna be a little bit Of a salty conversation these next two topics. See, I've never been afraid to address shit like this. And it's probably why most people are afraid of me. Okay. One, I saw an ad on the, um, or a promotion that the Eagles were doing and for gun violence. And I was like, why are you there? See, 
you 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 put yourself in a box if you're the Eagles. When you when you start to say we need to stop gun violence. No, you need to stop maniacs who kill people. There's the conversation. And you start to divide your fan base with that. Which again, you go down the lane. Is that really a hill you want to stand on if you're the Philadelphia Eagles? When, like Michael Jordan says, Republicans buy sneakers too. Remember, you're a business. Why are you trying to alienate some of your people in your business? Okay? I mean, it's see, where I'm coming from is, I, whatever your political belief is, I believe that Americans have a right to own a gun. I don't have a gun. I used to, but I don't anymore because I'm not responsible enough to own a gun. I'm not. Do I think there should be more hoops for you to be able to get them? I do. Better restrictions? Absolutely. But I don't think that you should be restricting people or labeling people that guns kill. Guns don't kill. The maniacs that hold them kill them. How, 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 how do you see that? It's not good law-abiding Americans that do that. It's maniacs. But what you do is if you're the Eagles, you kind of put yourself in a sandbox where you got to defend that. You're a pro football team, dude. Act like it. And by the way, I'm, there, there's a part of me that goes, hey, you know, they're trying to make a stance. They don't want anything bad to happen to kids in the community. Guns in the inner city are, are a, 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 absolutely a storyline that every politician should be standing on that hill trying to figure out how they can keep our kids safe. Absolutely. I'm all over that. Dude, but you if you're the Eagles, are you you're just you're in a not needed sandbox. Now let me get to this other one. I think the Dodgers are a disgrace. And here's why. So the history of the Los Angeles Dodgers is this. When they moved from Brooklyn to Los Angeles, they kicked out of Chavez Ravine about 85% of the Mexican-Americans in that region so they could build Dodger Stadium. There were many years that Mexicans wouldn't go. Mexican Catholics would not go to Dodger games until Fernando Valenzuela showed up. Fernando Valenzuela tied the knot between Mexican-Americans, Catholics, and the Dodgers because it had been fractured because of the O'Malley family. People don't know the history and how they got. The city of Los Angeles gave them Chavez Ravine. That's how they moved from Brooklyn. Okay, so the majority of your fan base today is Roman Catholic. So, and, and, and for the record, again, see, you're not going to get this kind of content anywhere else. It's Pride Month. I want to make sure that I'm very clear here. Congratulations. Whatever your sexuality is, whatever you have in your life, if it makes you happy, great. Again, that's not a hill I want to stand on. I don't care about that. Sexuality has nothing to do with me. It doesn't. But when you're attacking the Catholic religion by inviting these anti-Catholic people to desecrate 
crosses on June 16th, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and you alienate 85% of your fan base because they're Catholics and they're Mexicans. Where are you? Why are you doing that? What's the point of that? By the way, Pride Month, congratulations to everybody. Be proud of who you are. Wonderful. Great. But when you're using a cross as a stripper pole and performing sex acts on it, how is that not hate speech? We, we, we are a country where right now hate speech is very important to people. But the Dodgers, this is a promotion. This is not an opinion. This is a promotion. I mean, why would the Dodgers land on that sandbox like that? Why would you go there and alienate 90% of your fan base? Makes no sense. Some of these sports teams, especially Major League Baseball, they just don't get it. Stay in your lane, dude. You are there as an entertainment source, not a political vehicle. To, to, to be there for less than 1% of your fan base and to alienate 99% of it, it just makes no sense. There's a prime example. Hey, by the way, real quick on the last point, we're moving on, promise. Thank you very much, Bud Light and Target, for showing Americans what a woke country and what a woke political stance looks like. You're paying for it now. Over $8 billion in lost revenue. Because you thought you'd stand in some stupid sandbox. Some of these companies, man, you're there for the consumer. Let's move on. That's my point. I want to get into, as we are now 100 days. Hey, by the way, I, I, as I said in the first hour, I love the fact that there is a great energy with that Eagle team. There's a great energy. And I'm Georgia Bulldog kids are bringing a lot of great energy to the Philadelphia Eagles. They are bringing a lot of great, great energy to the Eagles. By the way, I love the fact that they're all in it together. Jordan Dave, hey, I'll tell you this too. Jordan Davis looks really good out there. Him running around the way he's running. You know, I, I would think too, man, if you got to play with your boys, and you got to play with your teammates that you spent a lot of time with at Georgia, that's got to also be pretty good. I do, man. I think that's got to be pretty cool, too. Good for him. He He's moving around. Tell you what, he looks a little quicker, doesn't he? He looks, he looks, pretty, he looks pretty impressive right now. All right. I want to get to my top 20 NFL players in the league. Arthur, he is looking stout. He is. He, he's, he's looking good out there, running around the way they are. You know, my only question that I have to you about the six practices, how do you install a new defense in six OTAs and then you get to training camp? You know what I mean? Can you really install a new defense? 
just can can you really install that in that short a time on the field? Maybe this is the new NFL. The Eagles have been right the last two years when it comes to health. They have been absolutely right. All right. Some of these you guys may not agree with. Some of these you may say, what? Some of these you may go, all right. But here are the big sills, top 20 NFL football players in the game today. Let's start with number 20. This is today, as of June 2nd, today, number 20, Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle, New York Giants. For the first time in 10 years, the New York Giants have finally found an offensive lineman that's worth the shit. And why that's important, they now have a good player on defense in Dexter Lawrence, and they got a really good player here in Andrew Thomas. He's a good-looking player. He He's continuing his way on becoming one of the elite tackles in the sport. And he's getting better and better. I'm a big fan of this kid. I think this kid has an opportunity to become an even better football player. He's like the new wave guy coming in, and I believe that he's got a lot to still get better at. I mean, he, he's got a gigantic ceiling. So I got Andrew Thomas at 20. At number 19, Big Sills, top 20 NFL football players. I got A.J. Brown here. Philadelphia Eagles, NFC. Um, Did he surprise me? Yes. I thought A.J. Brown was a good player in Tennessee. I thought he was a good player. I didn't think he was that good a player. And if we continue to improve, like we said yesterday, if it's not play side to you, you on the weak side, don't tip the plays off, kid. Okay? Play through every play like Devontae does. Devontae's a more complete player than you. You're a better ball player than him, though. Okay? But I've got A.J. Brown at number 19. At number 18, I got Patrick Sertain. Corner, Broncos. I think he's an elite player. And for many weeks, that Bronco team, as bad as it was, was in the top 10 and seventh ranked. They were a good unit last year. Even under Nathaniel Hackett, they were good. Um, I, I think he's a great, great football player. And he's now taken over for Jalen Ramsey as one of the best corners in the National Football League. Okay. Number 17, T.J. Watt, Steelers, AFC. Tremendous hands, strength. They play him right. They move him around. He can cover tight ends. Here's where he's 10 times better than Hassan Reddick. He can cover tight ends and backs. 
He can rush the passer. He's more of an elite pass rusher than him. He, he, he is the prototypical edge rusher from what you want. By the way, um, he, coming off an injury, obviously, but he is as special as you could possibly get. He's a great football player. And the Steelers put him in a great system. <clears throat> and they use him correctly. Can't stay healthy? You think one year is can't stay healthy? Really? What are you talking about, dude? He had one year where he had a bat where he got hurt. Let's take a look at that. I want to double check that because he says can't stay healthy. TJ Watt stats. Let's see where he is in that. This guy's missed two games in. This guy prior to this last year has missed two games in five years. Dumb comment. At number 16, Big Sills top 20 players in the league. I've got Tyree Kill at number 16, AFC Miami Dolphins. He's the best deep threat in the National Football League. Um, one thing here, I would say this, he's a modern day D-Jax. He's better than D-Jax because he runs better routes than Deshaun Jackson did. He's faster than Deshaun Jackson. Um, he's not as complete as Deshaun because he played special teams and was a force in special teams and also in your offense. So who was more of a threat? D-Jax or Tyreek Hill? Personally, Deshaun Jackson was more of a threat on a football field to me because he did play special teams. Remember something. When Deshaun Jackson played, when Deshaun Jackson played, Deshaun Jackson, yeah, I mean, Tone, Cheetah's a better player as a wideout than Deshaun. But as an impactful player, Jackson's better. So you're putting Deshaun Jackson against the bottom half of every roster in the NFL. And he's an elite speed guy. And one of the better wideouts during the time. And you're kicking the ball to a guy who's playing against basically a JV unit. Your special teams are traditionally your JV unit. And you're putting that guy out there? You're going to win that battle. That's why he's more of an impact. And that's why if you're telling me, who frightens you more in a game, Tyreek Hill or Deshaun Jackson? Jackson. Because Jackson's going to take it to the house maybe on a special team's kickoff. He, he That's where his value is. It's kind of almost a Jalen Hurts kind of conversation. Jalen could kill you on the ground and in the air. Tom Brady's never going to be confused with running for 100 yards. I mean... That guy's never going to be, he's never going to be confused of that, right? So to me, Deshaun Jackson is more the weapon, but Tyree Kill is the best deep threat in the sport today. Number 15. Now, this comes into the elite conversation that we had about Jalen Hurts. 
for all intent purposes, this is going to be something that I have to be very careful of because I have to apply it if I say that Jalen Hurts is not elite. Not yet. He's trending that way. I've got to be careful with Sauce Gardner. Jets AFC had a really special rookie year. He looks to me right now like the best cover corner in the game. He's got Revis in him, and he's got speed. He's physical. He's got size. One year in, I got it, yell. I got to apply the same thing that I say to Hertz on Gardner. But here's something here, too. He's trending in the way right now of looking like he's the best cover corner in the game. So I'm not going to use the word elite on him. Okay? How many seasons of consistency is needed to be it's a great question by tone here. How many seasons of consistency is needed to be marked as elite big sales? Don't you think that's a question you don't have to answer? You know it. Like, did I did I need three years to say that Mahomes wasn't going to be a special elite player after he won his first Super Bowl? Did I, did I need anything? Did, did, did I need to know that? When I watched Reggie White play in a game and I watched him pick people up game after game after game after game in his first year where he like had 21 sacks in like 10 games. Did you need to see anything else? Doesn't your eyeball test go like this? Because remember some now the eyeball test can lie to you because you guys were saying the same shit about Wentz. It's lied to me. It's lied to me before. We've seen guys. Hey, we've seen guys crater. We've seen guys, like we were talking about Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, he went like this in his career. It was a wave up, but they were small incremental waves. And then you look back on his career and you go, guy had a great career. But he came along slower. He, He didn't just go like this. Holy shit, Aaron Donald. He wasn't that guy. He wasn't Fletcher Cox. When I watched Fletcher, Fletcher's first year, Fletcher went like this, boom, 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 boom. And you're going, that guy's a bitch. Brandon Graham was more like this. Got better, like, you know, got better. Got better. That's all you want with your first rounders. Remember, you're looking for, you're not looking for all pros in your first round. You're looking for starters. If they become all pros, thank you. You're looking for starters. You draft a kid in the first round, he can't be positional or situational. He's he's got to be a starter. That's what that is. You're drafting a starter. Okay, when you draft him in the first round. Pro Bowl, all pro, Hall of Fame. Hey, we'll see, you know what happens. So I got to be careful with Gardner and to Tone's point, how many years I think you know it when you see it. Like, like to me, I, I, I watch certain players in the game today, and I watch this kid Gardner, man. I'm like, man, how many rookies have come in and shut down professional wide receivers in the NFL like that guy did? Dion? 
Revis, Ramsey. I mean, how many corners did you did you do remember where it just came in and killed everyone they played against? Dude, he was electric last year. He he's got all the skill set. You watch him too. Dude, he's 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 great. Yeah, Jack brings up Bo Jackson. All you needed to see was Bo Jackson take the ball on a sweep and go 85 yards in 9-1 and 9-1. You're like, Jesus. You know when you see it. You know when you see here. Don't you know when you see special? See, here, here's here, here's I never thought about this. Where am I now? I'm at 15. Okay. Do you know what I thought this just popped in my head. If I had to compare a player to Jalen Hurts and how I see him, I bet you guys will hate this comparison and how he impacts a game. I see Emmett. Emmett was never spectacular. But at the end of the game, you went, that guy had 28 carries for 158 yards and two touchdowns and had a 4.8 yards per carry. Then he turned out to be the all-time leading rusher. And you're like, shit. Like when you look at some of uh, Hertz's stats by the end of the game, 275 passing, 75 yards rushing, three touchdowns, um, was a great manager of the game. His Randy RPO. You're like this. Fuck, man. That guy put up 300 yards in total offense. And winning, like Neil said. Dude, I can't tell you how many times everyone would go, Barry, he's so electric, Barry. Barry Sanders is electric. But then when you watched Emmett, Jimmy Johnson had the best quote. And this is why Jimmy now likes Jalen. You know why? Jalen has no minus yardage. He rarely turns the ball over. And he's consistent. That is the mantra of Emmett Smith. Never, you never saw Emmett minus two, minus eight, 75. You saw Barry do that. Emmett was two yards, six yards, 11 yards, eight yards, five yards, nine yards, 15 yards, two yards. One yard. You looked up 28, like I said, 28 carries, 158 and two touchdowns. You're like, where did that come? I can't tell you how many times you'd look up by the end of the game, this guy's got 100 yards. Just That's it. Joshua, Jalen's like methodical. That's why when you watch Josh Allen and Josh Allen drops back and throws that pill down, you're like, holy shit. See, to me, boy, I'll tell you something. This is a really great conversation because – Josh Allen is Barry Sanders. And Jalen Hurts is Emmett Smith. What guy do you want on your team? I want Emmett. He's the better player. Emmett's the better player. Barry's the flashier player. He's going to hurt you more with minus plays. Barry hurts you. Emmett is consistently in the 
He's consistently in the black. Whereas Barry will sit sometimes in the red. Same with Allen in Buffalo. Hey, dude, Barry, Barry Sanders was a teammate of mine. Okay? I love Barry Sanders. And one of the most soft-spoken people you've ever seen. Kyle goes like this. When I see Josh Allen, I see Big Ben. Really? I don't yet. Big Ben was elite. Never losing season in his entire 17-year career. Won a couple Super Bowls. Went to three. Let's hope, let's hang on to that one a little bit. The Steelers are not the same without him. I mean, they don't even... Can he pick it? <laughs> okay, good luck. I, I don't see it yet. Roethlisberger was an elite... You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Player. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Kid yourself. Do you know he has one of the highest winning percentages in the history of the National Football League? I mean, that 2004 draft, it's, okay, Eli Manning, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers. It's Roethlisberger, Rivers, and Eli. In that order, you even heard Jason Cole going, that's going to be a tough conversation when we have to debate Eli. Imagine that. That's going to be a tough conversation. So here, I'm giving you the top 20 players. Seals, what do you think about Jim Johnson? Should be in the Hall of Fame. If you're starting to put assistant coaches and you're starting to put people into the Hall of Fame, um, probably will have a problem getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, because of not winning a Super Bowl. So that might be um, tough. I think Dick LeBeau, if I'm mis- not mistaken, he played with my uncle too, with the, Gi- with the Giants. He was a good player too. But I think Jim Johnson would have, I mean, Bud Carson kind of conversation, Jim Johnson, Woody Woodenhofer, Guy who kind of created the steel curtain, guys like that. Monty Kiffin probably could get some consideration because he won a Super Bowl as the DC of that Bucks team. I don't, maybe, maybe even Rex Ryan because of what he did with that Ravens defense. I don't know. I mean, Jim was a really great innovator. 
And he's a, you know, if I were going to compare coach in today's NFL to Jim Johnson, it would be Dan Quinn with the Cowboys. It would be like, he he's like Dan Quinn, but Jim was, Jim was probably a little bit more patient when it came to, he was a little more patient with players development. Okay. He's a little more patient. All right. I'm going through right now my top 20 NFL players in the game heading into the 2023 season. At 20, Andrew Thomas. 19, A.J. Brown. 18, Patrick Sertain. 17, I got T.J. Watt. 16, I got Tyree Kill. 15, I got Sauce Gardner. And 14, I've got Devontae Adams. Great year a year ago with Derek Carr. He's he it was a second round draft choice by the Packers. He's a really great football player. Um, one of the special playmakers in the game today. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in Las Vegas with Garoppolo. Um, could the Raiders sign Wentz because of Garoppolo's injury? I think Wentz is playing it actually right because the Packers are probably going to need a backup. The Raiders may need a starter. Um, the 49ers. But they're, 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 there's there's Trey Lance news today. We'll get to that at the top of the hour. But, I mean, the Raiders need a quarterback. And, and get this, too. Here's, here's my problem with what the Raiders did by moving off of Derek Carr. What was your plan? Jimmy Garoppolo? And so you knew Garoppolo had a foot injury. And he even signed a don't Don't say that Garoppolo hit it. He didn't. He signed a waiver. So Garoppolo signs a waiver. You still sign him to the contract. And you don't have a plan B when he's not ready for OTAs or potentially the start of the season. What is that? What's your plan? This sounds to me... Exactly like the 49ers. What's your plan here? I mean, you got some good football players on the Raiders, and you're there's no plan. God, you want to know why the Raiders have sucked for the last 20? Do you do you guys know this? All the way up until I think like 2000, or the last time 2001, the last time the Raiders went to the Super Bowl in San Diego against the Bucks. Do you know the Raiders had the number one winning percentage in the history of the National Football League for decades? And for the last 25 years, they've been a laughingstock. The Raiders had the highest winning percentage. You heard me right. All the way up until 2000 from the time they came in the league in 1960. From, from like 60 all the way on to like 2000, they had the Number one win percentage. And all of a sudden now, they're, they're, they're a laughingstock. I don't know who's a more laughingstock. The Washington Redskins slash Commanders or the Raiders. Terrible organizations. Number 13 on the Big Sills list of the top 20 NFL football players. I got Lane Johnson. You know what I think of him? 
he's on his way to Canton. He's the best right tackle I've seen in 20 years. He's the mainstay on that line now in Philadelphia. It's a true privilege to watch him play a game. He is a really great football player. I got him ranked 13th. At number 12, I've got Josh Allen, Bills, AFC. I'm with you. I'm with you. We got to start doing it now. This year's your Dewey year. Let me say this to you. He's trended down last year. Follow me. You think you guys probably think 12 is high. Well, last year he was the favorite to win the MVP and win the Super Bowl. Now he's down to 12th. He's trending down. So last year he was in the top three. Now he's 12th. Okay, that's quite a fall. He was the odds-on favorite. Okay, odds-on favorite to win the MVP. His Bills team was the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I had Bills and Eagles in the Super Bowl. Like everyone else had the Bills getting there. No one had really the Eagles. I did. And to me, you go from like top three to 12. Kid, you're not trending. You're not trending in a good way. Number 11. Big Seals top 20 NFL players. I got Travis Kelsey. Kansas City Chiefs, AFC. Best tight end in the NFL. Most complete. Best hands. When he calls it a career, we'll have every single statistic there is. Pass catching. Now, tight ends are different in today's NFL landscape. They're not like the Mark Bavaros. They're not even like the Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates could actually block. Travis is not really set up for that. He's more of a hybrid Jason Witten, but better. This guy's an impact football player every single time. He steps on the field, and with Andy Reid and Mahomes, they are a machine. Very difficult to defend. And by the way, when he's out there on the field, you know what he does? He is in such he is in such connection with Patrick Mahomes. He makes little nuanced moves underneath the defender, behind the defender, will do a wheel route, maybe when it's not called. But they're in such good mental – both of them are in such a good mental place. They trust one another. He's really a great football player. Now – Top 10. Here are the top 10 NFL football players that I have, that I've ranked in the top 20. Number 10. And again, this is any position on the field. I got Jalen Hurts here. Last year, Jalen Hurts was ranked by me. And how about when they had, go back and look where they had Jalen Hurts ranked last year in the top 100 players. You might be stunned. Shit, Chris, Chris Sims, I don't think had him ranked in the top 25 quarterbacks in the sport. Top 10 NFL player? And I, I remember what I said? I hedged it on elite. No, 
Who, PFF? No, NFL.com, the one that players vote on. Go back and look where the players voted on Jalen last year. Oh, oh, the Chris Sims thing is pro football focus. No, not pro football focus. It's pro football talk with Mike Florio. That's who he works for, I think. Okay? Jalen Hurts. Look, you have Jalen Hurts ascending from where he was a year ago to 10. And you got Josh Allen falling from three. Remember, that's how this works. Number nine, I got Miles Garrett, Browns, spectacular defender, sets the edge, rushes the passer, can cover linebackers and running backs, can play the run. I mean, a fantastic football player. I mean, when you're looking for complete, all tools, play the run, rush the passer, cover, sacks, TFLs, everything. Miles Garrett is one of your absolutely best football players in the sport today. You, you, I mean, just a complete football player. Now, these guys here that we're saying here, the next one I, I had a problem with, but I was talked into it by an executive last night. And I was. Um, I got Michael Parsons here at eight. Now, here's why I got Parsons at eight. Because of all the things I said Garrett does. Plays the run. Rushes the passer. Will be invisible at times. He's a little better than Garrett. Rushes the Rushes the passer, has elite skills at that. 11, 12 sacks, can play the pass, cover backs, cover tight ends. You see, the difference between Miles Garrett, Michael Parsons, and Hassan Reddick is night and day. Hassan's a one-trick pony, not nowhere near. However, Reddick is probably a better pass rusher than those two guys. Okay? Reddick is probably a better pass rusher than those two men. Number seven, Trent Williams. Offensive tackle, 49ers. The best tackle in the sport. Plays the hardest position on the O-line next to center. The left tackle, the blind side. First ballot Hall of Famer. Enormous man. Enormous man. And is, without a doubt, the preeminent offensive tackle in the game. And by the way, Here's the difference between Trent Williams and Lane Johnson. It's paper thin. But the paper thin is he plays right tackle and the other guy plays the left tackle position. There's a reason Trent makes more. Plays the harder position. Number six. Chris Jones, defensive tackle, Kansas City Chiefs, had a pretty good Super Bowl. Did a really nice job in the Super Bowl. I don't even remember Miles Sanders playing, do you? I thought they did a really nice job at limiting them in their run game. 
the entire second half. And it was because of him inside. He's a $20 million a year guy, and he earned his money in that Super Bowl. He was good in the second half. Talk about really shutting down the Eagle run game. It got so frustrating for the Philadelphia Eagles in the second half. Kenny Gainwell got more carries. They just completely shut down Miles Sanders. I mean, I don't even remember. I mean, did did he come out of the locker room at halftime? Okay. Twiz goes old school thinking, Sills. Well, why is the old school thinking then still when it comes to paychecks, the left tackle? It's not old school thinking. Look at the money. Look at the money. Old school thinking is paying running backs today. That's old school thinking and not paying the wideouts. You don't pay the running backs today. Okay, I get it. You still pay the top dollar to the left tackle. Case closed. Follow the money. Here are your top five NFL football players on my top 20 list. Going into the 2023 season. Until I'm proven wrong and otherwise someone steps up. Aaron Donald is the best defensive football player in the game. Or I should say the best interior defensive tackle. He's a sack machine, TFL. He plays with leverage. He is a bona fide superstar. I mean, if he's not coming off an injury of a year ago, he's probably higher on this list. But Aaron Donald, there's not a better interior tackle in the sport than him. And he's six feet tall. What makes this guy so psycho, I don't get it. He's six feet 270. Did you hear me? He's six feet 270 going against people that are 6'6", 370. I don't get it. He's a 550-pound bencher. He just, I mean, I... He's a better pass rusher than Sapp. I would make this point to you. The best defensive tackle pass rushers I've seen in my lifetime, Aaron Donald, probably Sapp. Now, again, I know they moved Reggie all up and down the line. If Reggie was considered a DT, Red, of course, it's Reggie, but Reggie's the best D lineman that's ever played. R- Reggie's the best. He's the best D lineman that's ever played. Okay? So let me get this right, five-star. You think that Lane Johnson is a better football player than Aaron Donald? You're high. Number four, the defensive player of the year, Nick Bozum is the fourth best player. Nick is going to make a shitload of money, and I think he is the heir apparent to um, Aaron Donald. And for the record, once again, that 49er defense, which was limited in that NFC title game, held the Philadelphia Eagle offense to its lowest output offensively 
the entire year, 263 total yards. And if you take the 30-yard gift catch away, they had 230. Um, again, the offense put the defense in a horrible position, the entire NFC. That's why the score got out of hand. They had short fields. It's nothing to do with how that unit played. And everyone, I, I, I don't get where everyone goes, you ran them over. You didn't run them over. It's not true. Your offensive output doesn't show that. It just doesn't show that. It's not true. They were in short fields because the offense had turnovers. That was a complete win by the Eagles. But you didn't run that Eagle. You didn't run that 49er defense over. It's not true. Look at the numbers. Okay, I mean, again, short field. You were constantly on the other side of the ball because your great defense did a great job on Purdy, and you put up 31, was 31 seven. You, you were The game was over in the first three minutes of the game. But the 49er defense kept them around for a little bit as much as they possibly could. Okay? So, um, D-Shift goes, Sam Mola will be a significant loss. It's going to be interesting to see. Okay? Here are your top three NFL players. Justin Jefferson. Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Did I do that? I, I meant Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> hey, Tone, did I <clears throat> did I just do that? Hang on. I don't know why. Sometimes, hey, look, maybe it was like Tourette's for a second here. Justin Jefferson, Philadelphia. I mean, wait. How come I can't say? I'm going to try it one more time. Justin Jefferson, Philadelphia, Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I don't know, man. I got now you got to take my medicine a little bit here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. I slipped there, but Justin Jefferson, man, is the best position player in the NFL today. That's not a quarterback. He's a tremendous football player. So I got Justin Jefferson, number three, Minnesota Vikings. Number two, the guy who's going to be a very wealthy man really soon here. I've got Joe Burrow, number two. Bengals, two years in a row, AFC Championship game, one year Super Bowl, quarter away from winning it. Um, Will be the highest paid player in the game. Got all the intangibles that look like he's him and him and Patrick Mahomes are going to fight out the AFC for the next 10 years. Joey B is a great football player. And of course it's Mahomes number one as the best football player in the NFL. So here are the 20. We'll go from one to 20. Mahomes one, Burrow two, Justin Jefferson three, Boza four, Aaron Donald five, Chris Jones six, Trent Williams seven, Parsons eight. Miles Garrett, 9. Jalen Hurts, 10. Travis Kelsey, 11. Josh Allen, 12. Lane Johnson, 13. Devontae Adams, 14. Sauce Gardner, 15. Tyreek Kill, 16. TJ Watt, 17. Patrick Sertain, 18. A.J. Brown, 19. And Andrew Thomas, 20. You notice this? Weapon, thank you. You notice this? There's no Justin Herbert. There's no Lamar Jackson. 
Okay, there's no Cooper Cup. There's a lot of guys who aren't on his list that many others considered. There's no Dak. Okay, and you got three guys in the top twenty. It's pretty. Is, is there anybody else with more than three guys in the top twenty? 49ers have two. Chiefs have three. Well, two teams that went to the Super Bowl have three. Kelsey, Mahomes, and Jones. Three factors in the Super Bowl. Cowboys have one. Only two teams with three players on it. 49ers have two. Everyone else has one. Pretty impressive. Three players. It just shows you two. Chiefs and and the Eagles have three players in the top 20. Probably speaks to who went to the Super Bowl. Weapon goes, Joe Burrow is going to have to bring in a chainsaw to cut the Lock off the owner's wallet. That's a true comment, too. I would say your friend your friend Ken Dorsey was not impressive as the OC in Buffalo last year, especially in the second half, Debbie. I know. They got a little bit sidetracked in the second half. Seals, no Jason Kelsey. I know I debated on that one down here, but Andrew Thomas right now, today. Dude, Kelsey's calling it a career this year. I, 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 I don't. I, you know, he's so good too, man. So good. So good. There's no Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had 1,500 yards last year. He's not my top 20. And I love that player. You know, I love that player. We'll have to have this conversation next year. And we'll have three in the top five next year. Let me guess. Jordan Davis. <laughs> okay. There are a lot of eight. Hey, that's right. And Yale, like this, you know, you, you could pick 20. And these are the 20 guys that I see heading into this season today that are the best players. Kelsey's the best center in the sport. I believe that. Some, some people like the kid uh, that plays offensive guard. In Cleveland, an awful lot, too. By the way, you should see some of these lists. They got Micah Parsons ranked third. I had a huge problem with that one. I was talking to Brian Baldinger. Get this. They're going to put Parsons in the top four. I'm not supposed to tell you guys this, but when the list comes out of the top 100 players in the NFL, I think they're doing that next month. Or I think they do it towards the start of the September opener. They put the top 100 out there. How the, they got Parsons in the top five. I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't see that. Like, you really think Michael Parsons is better than Miles Garrett? I have him ranked higher, and I don't know why. And I and I'm like, is he better than Miles Garrett? Like, if Miles Garrett played in Dallas, would that change the conversation? Hmm. You know, I just see to me here, watch this. 
let's do this here. Mahomes is trending up. He's continuing to get better. Burrow's trending up. Justin Jefferson's trending up. Nick Bose is trending up. Aaron Donald's trending down. Remember something. How many times did people, especially NFL.com, which is the players voting, how many people and how many years did they have Aaron Donald as the best player in the sport? Three? Well, he's five now. He's trending down. Chris Jones. <clears throat> I think he's trending up. Trent Williams. I think he's right where he should be. Michael Parsons. I, again, I, he, he's the one guy on this list that is kind of an outlier for me because I don't like not seeing stars show up. And that's one of the things that I see with him sometimes is he's not there. And that bugs me. So trend, he's probably trending up because he's young. Miles Garrett trending up. Jalen Hurts trending up. Travis Kelsey getting better. He's trending up. Josh Allen trending down. Lane Johnson trending up. Devontae Adams trending down. Sauce Gardner trending up. Tyree Kill trending up. He had a great year in Miami. TJ Watt trending down. Patrick Sertan trending up. AJ Brown trending up. By the way, one thing I would say about AJ Brown, the Tennessee Titans did not use him effectively and good enough. He turned out to be exactly right. When they offered him that $16 million deal, that organization, you can say this about A.J. Brown, and I'll endorse this. The Tennessee Titans held him back. They held him back with a philosophy and didn't allow the offense to get bigger and better. He, they did no services to Ryan Tannehill by throwing him 68 passes a year. When you saw what he can be when you have Jalen Hurts getting him the ball, they completely underutilized him in Tennessee. And they basically, what they tried to do, in my opinion, the Tennessee Titans tried to underpay him, knowing full well what kind of talent he was because of the scheme they had not because of the truth of what he is. And it hit it for everyone until he got the opportunity to catch some more footballs. That, to me, has to be frustrating. No wonder A.J. Brown takes shots at Tennessee because he, they held him back. They completely held him back. However, also, how he was smart enough to see through that. Because when you look at his numbers in Tennessee, they're pedestrian. 68 catches, 1,100 yards. That's 50 yards a game. That's nothing special. But it's because they didn't throw up a lot of targets. 
it was all a Henry offense. And remember, everybody kept saying, well, guess what? They can't, they can't really throw the ball too well. So when they when we were hearing that about Tennessee, <clears throat> they basically destroyed the offense because they didn't want to pay them. How many years did we hear in Tennessee? Well, Vrabel really can't throw the ball, Ryan Tannehill, this and that. They ended up giving Tannehill $29 million. $29 million per year they gave Tannehill, and you, you didn't throw – A.J. Brown the ball. Imagine what that would have meant if they would have implemented more of a game plan for him and what it would have meant for Derrick Henry. Completely underutilized A.J. Brown in Tennessee. It's it's played itself out even more so. 90 catches, 1,500 yards, double-digit touchdowns. You had that in Tennessee but didn't want to utilize that. That's on you. You held that player down. Okay? Yell goes that Derrick Henry's on the decline. How could you say a guy's on decline? He had 1,500 yards last year. I mean, you mean the team's on decline. He's 28 years old and had 1,500 yards. I don't know. If 1,500 yards is a mediocre year, Yale, can I have that? Can I have a whole – can I have a whole serving? Can you – okay. So – Tennessee had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last year. Parsons turns into a ghost. He does, dude. Overhyped, I agree. So last year, Tennessee's offensive line was ranked 30th. Derrick Henry, on that Eagle offensive line, probably goes for 2,500 yards. Five and a half yards of carry. Here. If Miles Sanders could get 1,300 yards, what do you think Derrick Henry's going to do? 2,500? <laughs> Shit. That guy's going to put some numbers up. <laughs> that guy's going to put some numbers up here. All right. Um, Another topic, I want to throw this out about Andy Reid at the top of the hour here. Power hour coming up. Please hit the like button. Hour number three, keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Big Sales National Football Show. Appreciate you all coming aboard. Thank you very much. Do so. Like I told Rick Barry in the last hour or in the first hour of the program, if Monty Williams is worth... Thirteen million a year. What's Eric Spolster worth? Holy cow, man! I mean, right? Hey, by the way, does anybody have an update on what Avante Maddox is? He hurt? Is is Avante Maddox hurt? I I've heard nothing of him. Where where what's going on with him? Is is, is he still hurt? Heard nothing about that player. I think he's actually not bad. But I mean, is 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 he is he hurt? Doesn't seem to be like a lot of talk about him. And or maybe Tone's got an update. I mean, all the coaches in the league should be thanking Monty for heading to bar. Absolutely. He's nicked up. Surgery on toe. Okay. Not really looking really for a lot out of him then, right? Had surgery on the toe. Okay. Okay. Hey, all right. No problem. So before I get to this, um, a couple things on Trey Lance here. And because Niner wanted me to get new material, so I did. Tell me what this means. If you're, (laughs) I'm going to say it exactly how John Lynch said it today. And Niner, this is for you. And it's on Trey Lance and it's new material. You know, you, you know, you, you accused me yesterday, you know, of, so I wanted to make sure today that what we did was we gave you new material. Okay. Just want to make sure because, hey, I'm here to service people that walk into my restaurant. I want the customer's always right. All right. So, folks, tell me what this means. Can you? John Lynch, quote, Trey Lance has had a really, really quality offseason. I'm going to say it again. Travis goes, 
Isn't Cilio a Bucks fan? No, I played for the Bucks. John Lynch, Trey Lance has had a really, really quality offseason. What does that mean? He's had a really, really, boy, I'll tell you, man, I really, 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 really like ice cream. (laughs) I mean, you sound like you're a four-year-old. He had a really, 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 really quality offseason. Not even like going like this. This guy was really, really great in OTAs. You should have seen him throwing the ball. He was unbelievable. This guy was fantastic. What a talent. Shit, there's been more kudos given to Sam Darnold than last chance Lance. Niner, help me out. Here's new. Here's your new material. He had a really, 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 really quality offseason. <laughs> offseason is barely over. What are the Niners talking about? <laughs> That's what I'm asking. What is this? Come on, Niner, don't hide. What? Boy, this guy here, man. Here, I'm going to do it. This is kind of what they're talking like, I would think. Tom, get it. Watch this. Thank you, Tom. Well, I'll tell you what. I can't believe how Trey went. This guy's had a wee 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 fine offseason. Wee 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 wee. I was like five year olds are talking to one another here. John Lynch, really, really quality offseason. Dude, they hate this guy. They know they fucked up on the pick. They can't come to grips with it. They can't admit it. You're going to have to take a knee on three ones. And you really, 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 really don't want it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I really, 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 really hope I I, I win the damn lottery. That's tone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Niner, Niner, wait a minute. You, you said you wanted new material. I'm giving it to you. You, you said, Sills, get new material. I said, well, you know what? Niners going to be expecting new material. So I've really got to work hard on getting Niners some new material. So John Lynch today says, Tway Wentz had wee-wee, 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 quantity offseason. <laughs> hey, I really, wee-wee, wee-wee, wee-wee hope these jeans don't shave my thighs anymore. <laughs> hey, I really, wee-wee, wee-wee, wee-wee hope. I, I, I. <laughs> That <laughs> I really, 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 really hope that Kale Pepe does the job. <laughs> Holy shit, man. They hate this kid. You gotta be kidding me. That's new material. I know. Hey, we, 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 we. Oh, man. So John Lynch, this is a quote. John Lynch, Trey Lance has had a really, really quality offseason. Like, like Tone said, aren't they only two days into like OTAs? <laughs> oh my God, this guy sucks a gigantic lollipop. <laughs> oh my God. Jim Drunken Miller looks like Joe Montana to this guy. 
Holy cow. This guy's going to go down as the second biggest stiff in quarterback history in the draft. May even, hey, he'll go down a bigger stiff than than uh, Ryan Leaf. Because not only did Ryan play a little bit at least, this guy here can't get on the field and they gave three ones up for him. Damn, Niner. Wait a minute. Well, hey, when I watch my face when I'm what's my face when I say Trey Lance? Watch this. Trey Lance. Ooh. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm. Need a little more brand. <laughs> Ooh. Oof. Wow. Mm. Ah. Why why am I walking funny? I'm walking like a wooden soldier here. Hey, when I walk around the 49er complex, I'm walking around like a, a wooden soldier. <laughs> every time Trey Lance, hey, every time Trey Lance's name gets brought up at the 49er complex, John Lynch must just pucker up. Oh, God. You know how you drink sour milk sometimes? Shit. Uh, oh man Jamarcus Russell or Trey uh, you know Jamarcus Russell probably because he liked the drink (laughs) dude you have to be a wacko to figure out how to use NyQuil and whiskey or liquor to figure out how to get fucked up I mean there's something wrong with you in there hey this is the best way to get hammered use NyQuil and put this in it that's all right, dog. <laughs> I can get hammered on a beer. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. Holy cow, man. He willy, 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 willy. Willy, willy had a good. No, not even a good. He willy, 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 willy had a quality offseason. <laughs> and here's another statistic. And Niner, wait, I'm not done yet. Here, Diner, I got more more new content for you. Where is it? This is on Last Dance Lance. Where is that? This is for Niner. Get some new material. All right. Well, we did. Where's that other one here? Oh, here it is. So get this. Niner. This is for you. So you wasted three ones. Drafted a quarterback in the third pick of the NFL draft. As Tweety Bird would say, I thought I saw a putty cat. I loved it. Perfect. Perfect. I saw a, that's a pretty bird <laughs> or no better yet in San Fran. That's a pretty boy. <laughs> Stop. It's all good. All right. Hey, so here's your new material, brother. So since 2016, Trey Lance has thrown a total of 416 passes. It's 2023. Did you hear what I said? Since 2016, 
Is that right? Yes. He's thrown a total of 416 passes. There's your, there's your stat of the day. No, Niner, I'm obsessed with your crying. Well, if we will, if 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 we wouldn't have played with 10 guys on the field, here, this is what I hear. Here, I'm gonna close my eyes. This is what I hear when I hear Niner fans. Well, Trey Wentz had a really, 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 really quantity offseason. Well, if we had 11 guys instead of 10, you know, we would have won that game against the Eagles. Hey, I'm surely glad that I really, 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 really glad that we're not going to be playing the Eagles early in the schedule. We're going to be playing them late. Yeah, I don't want to play the Eagles really because I don't know if we're going to have everybody. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. You guys are whiners, man. Need to change that name, San Francisco 49ers, or the San Francisco whiners. Holy shit, man. Are you what what's what's next? Well, Lincoln Financial is gonna have a lot of guys booing us. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I don't want to go into Philly because you know they got their fan. Oh no, that was something else. Someone said some shit about their fans. Was it was it Shanahan too that barked and bitched about the fans? You know, these guys say really bad things, you know. I was it was really unbecoming. <laughs> You're in Philly, dude. What'd you think? What, what do you think? Okay, well, seriously, what did you think? You were going to walk into some church? Hey, it's really great you're here. <laughs> hey, could, hey, dude, if I walked into a Philadelphia football stadium and I walked into Lincoln Financial and all of a sudden somebody from Philadelphia, because I got I to tell you, I, I act kind of a little like these guys. If somebody from Philly reached over and went, hey, Dan, it's great to see you here. Good luck in the game today. I'd look over at you and go like this. Hey, fuck you, man. What's up? <laughs> I'd be like this. Are you okay? What's the matter? I'd be, an, I'd be like, get away from me. Talking to me like that. I'd be more offended with that than you calling me the F-bomb. Hey, Dan, good luck to you today against the Eagles. I hope things work out for you. Hope, hope, I hope you're healthy. I'd be like, don't get away. What do you want? <laughs> See, before the 49er guy wants this Well, you know, they say bad words to us <laughs> Really? What gave that away? <laughs> oh, man Yeah, hey, Cosmo, don't worry, man When you get hit do, do you know what the after party is when you win a Well, the last time they won a championship in San Francisco It's been a little bit Okay, you, you, you get, you get, hey, <laughs> no, I can't, I won't. <laughs> hey, Niner, Niner, I hear if you win like the Super Bowl, man, you get a big parade down to Castro. Is it true? <laughs> now you know why I'm not on radio. Yeah, Debo. Yeah, Debo. What was Debo that said that? Was it Sills? Remember, Debo said it was going to be easy playing at the link. <laughs> Eagles can't talk champ. 
<laughs> All right, let me move on, man. Yeah. I'm one thing I'm happy about today. You guys didn't get bent over now that we're moved on. My explanation of Pauly Shore from WIP calling Jalen Hurts elite. I'm glad you guys didn't get sideways on that. He's trending in all the right directions to be a really great football player. He he is. He's completely trending in the right, whereas Josh Allen's trending down right now. Here, here, I'll, I'll say something to you. Watch this. Personally, I'm going to write this down. What? Okay. Hurts. One, two. Allen. One, two. Would this be a fair? Would this be a fair trend line for Hertz and Allen? That's two. Is is that fair? Josh Allen is this way. Hertz is that way. Right? That's how I see those two guys. That's that, that. I mean, by the way, both guys make a ton of money. Jalen's two years. He's progressing. This third year is going to be interesting, though. Because there's a ton of film on them now. Ton of film. And coordinators, you know, that's a great topic. How are coordinators going to look at Jalen in his third year starting? What are they going to try to stop? What's the number one thing you want to do? How would you game plan against Jalen Hurts in his third year? Man, I love that. Hurts third year game plan. It's different, completely different. What do I want to do with him? Well, when he runs that RPO, I am going to tell every single defensive guy I have, hit that freaking guy as hard as you can when he's in the RPO. Bring that end down and hammer him. It's legal. RPOs, it's legal to hammer him. Hammer him. Hammer him in that RPO. I think you got to get the ball out of his hands quicker because his decision-making is exceptional. What's the number one thing the Eagles, the longer the ball is in Jalen Hurts' hands, the chances of more success increases with the Eagle offense. So for me, Got to get that. I'd rather have the ball in the hands of Swift, Brown, Smith, Goddard, than Hurts. Because Hurts 
is the decision maker of the offense. It's not true play calling. He's decision making. So to me, I want plus I want to punish him. He doesn't take a lot of punishment. He's smart at it. But in that RPO, they used to do that to Tebow in that RPO. They bring that end down and just light him up. So to me, I think you got to be more physical in a game. Also, if I'm the D coordinator, I got to win first down. I can't let the Eagles get out on me on first down. I want to get that ball out of Hertz's hands. So if I'm Belichick, here's how I would having having been around Belichick and listened to him how he does the game plan, I would think he's going to go here defensively first, then we'll do offensively. In that game one, I want the ball out of Jalen's hands. There's more room for error out of his hands. He does not turn the ball over. See, it, it's really smart of him. It's not important he could throw for 30 touchdowns. It's important not to have double-digit interceptions. It's smart. It's, it, it's perfect. 33 touchdowns is overrated. Six INTs is great, especially with 425 passing attempts or 435, whatever he had. Okay, that, that to me, that, that to me is, that's the hidden nugget in the offense. So for me, if I'm the Patriots, got to win first down, got to stop the run, which no team has in two years. And Jalen has been a major part of that. You're not going to beat Hurts in the first quarter. You're gonna you're gonna have to wear on wear on him a little bit. Hit him. Keep hitting him. In the RPO, hit him. Keep hitting him. He's a physical kid. He's a tough kid. Keep hitting him. Okay. You don't have that luxury when he's in a seven step, but when he runs the RPO, he's a running back. Then he drops back and he becomes a passer. I think even the officials have a tough time um refing Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen at times. Because that's what got Cam Newton destroyed. That's what got him destroyed. Um, get that ball out of his hands fast. The quicker he doesn't have it, the more room for error, like I said. The other guys will put the ball on the ground. Because why? Who handles the football more than any other players on the team? The center and the quarterback. See, to me, I would put a guy on the nose right over Kelsey. I would play a bare front. Make Kelsey's job a little tougher, too. You can't give a forefront, have Kelsey not hit and Jalen not hit. They'll run the ball on you all night. They'll run that ball on you all night. The two most experienced guys handling the football, in my opinion, is Kelsey and Hurts. What do you think is the number one thing coaches are working with Jalen on? Passing game. Screen game. I think they're probably working on a screen game right now. Because that's the only part of the offense that has not been utilized the most. Is the screen game. They, they have none. 
and they don't have a screen game, it's very underutilized. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's a non-factor on that team. So to me, I would I would be and, – and also, too, you know what I would like to do a little bit more if I was Jalen and the offense? I'd like to see some more jet sweeps with Devontae. Move him around a little more. Get the ball in his hands. He's pretty good in open space. I think they were always a little worried about his size and shit, but he's shown he can hang in there. I'd, 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 like, to, I'd like to see them – some jet sweeps with him, you know – moving him around in positions to be in open space. What about the passing game? Is it getting the ball out quicker? Is it footwork? Um, I think it's, I think it's disguising. See, RPO is not a disguise. It's a decision. See, to me, it's decision. Really since Andy Reed, right? You haven't had a screen game since Andy Reed, but you had a back in the backfield. That was exceptional at screens. And, you know, to Tone's point here, is he getting the ball out quicker? No, I I think it's pre-snap stuff here a little bit. What are you trying to accomplish on each play instead of decision-making in the play? You see, the one thing that has made Jalen Hurts trend towards being one of the better quarterbacks in the league They've taken progression reading out of that offense. He doesn't read. He's not a three-read guy. It's not what he does. That's not who he is. That's why you have one guy one week, one guy another week, one guy this week, one guy. It's all about matchups. Actually, it's a smart way to approach it. Why would – here, maybe this is the change in the game too. You know, as you see when we had Bruce Arians on – Bruce Arians was an architect building offenses for Andrew Luck, for Ben Roethlisberger, for Tom Brady. And he said now it's more about the boutique offense. And it's actually smarter. Now, what would you rather do? And this is where I think a lot of teams fall into a lot of problems. Follow me here. So I get a shitty quarterback, and I have a shitty quarterback on my team. Why would I train him or want him to have a three-progression read when he's one shitty, I got three shitty receivers, but yet I'm trying to throw an offense with one shitty quarterback and three shitty wide receivers. Why would I want to do that? Why wouldn't I try to limit his issues when it comes to reading and not just run an RPO? You run the RPO, you're taking all that out of the game. And what you're doing is what? You're attacking the worst guy that knowledge or you're attacking the worst part of a defense with that. So you already know pre-snap wise, who's the worst guy on the field. It's the right. It's the will backer. Okay. The will backer is the worst guy on the team in pass coverage. My tight end is going to have a field day that day. And what I'm going to do in pre-snap, that's why you can't have AJ Brown taking freaking plays off. And tipping the playoff when you're an RPO. Because that quarterback's not going to sit back there and do the Jalen Hurts, he can. He's this is where he's developing this more. Watch this. Three, two, screen, intermediate, slot, post. You're moving guys around like this with your head. Jalen's not doing that. 
Jalen comes down the line of scrimmage. He reads the safety or he reads the Will Backer or Sam, and he either hands it, keeps it, block and release on the tight end, drops back. That's a lot. I think that's a difficult skill set. I think progression reading is also a difficult skill set. But I think it's, I don't know, maybe what Jalen does, because he's really like your OC. Okay, do I keep it? Do I make the tight end block and release? See, and they don't even use a screen game. How about him just being like this and flipping it out? How many times do you think you could have just flipped that ball out there instead of having him run for the – see, but here, here's the one thing, too, you got to remember. Do you want to run a screen game? When you have a guy who protects the football, you're, it's another play that you could have a turnover on. Do you feel more comfortable as a philosophy in your I'm, – I'm thinking out loud here, and this is probably how they're talking. Do you feel more comfortable with the ball – remember? You feel more comfortable with the ball in Jalen's hands than in Swiss' hands. There's less room for error when you have it in Jalen's hands. He handles the football the most. So if you throw a screenplay, guy catches it, drops it, guy scoops and scores. Is that a play really that you want to stand on a hill for? That's why we were saying the other day about Swift finding his role. It's going to be interesting how they find a role for him. Okay? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you put him in a role? Like, to me, this New England game is going to be a great chess match. Dude, I think that's going to be a tough game. Because you know why? You got a brilliant-minded defensive guy. Don't you understand something when you play against Belichick and you're a quarterback? He taught Tom Brady. He taught Tom Brady what to look for, what to disguise. Helped him what he was seeing defensively. He taught Tom Brady. Taught him. You think that's a walk in the park? That's what McMullen's talking about all the time. He believes the team would rather have Jalen run for 15 yards it, it may, that may, see, then have him pass it to a running back who only gets seven or eight. And what else, Tone? Higher chance of a potential turnover. See, it's probably why they take what's there's two things that this offense, by the way, this is why when you look at the offense, you're like, you look at Jalen Hurts and you don't see the rest of the league. It's pretty well thought out. You know what it is? It's turnover-free football. Smart. I'd rather have a quarterback throw for 22 touchdowns. I see some of you guys in here railing on Jalen for only – I'd rather have a quarterback throw 22 touchdowns with six picks who can move the ball with his legs and this and that, handles the ball more because he's my most explosive player and he's the guy I count on the most and handles the ball the most and he's the most experienced ball carrier than anybody else on the unit. It, it's smart. And you take turnover position plays away from the game. Throwing the ball across the middle of the field is a high turnover play. Screens, it's a high turnover play. Tucking it and running it for – hey, 
Jalen Hurts getting eight yards on a run versus throwing it to Swift on a screen. What would you rather have? And what are the better chances of a turnover? The screen to Swift is the better turnover play. The safer play is Jalen. That's why, to me, they've got to be smarter in utilizing him when he is with the ball in his hands, like not getting hit. If I'm the Patriots, I'm going to punish him. I'm going to punish him every chance I get. In the huddle, in the huddle, in the pile. Hit him in the back. Lay on him. Put as many hats as you can on him. They tell him, this is what they're telling him. Hey, gang tackle him. Even when he's going down, I want to see three Patriot hats on the pile. Get on this guy. Hit him. Hit him in the ribs. Hit him in the thighs. Loosen that guy up a bit. Hey, man, this is how they wore out Cam Newton by the end of every year. This is how they wore out Lamar Jackson. Wear this guy's ass out. You may you don't know when you're ever going to see that guy again. You keep pounding on him. Keep beating on him. Get the ball out of his hands initially. Make them see what the Eagles don't want to do. Don't overcook this thing. Don't start thinking because he's in year three now that you have to start opening the offense. That's what they did in Buffalo. Look what a disaster that turned out to be in the second half of games this year. They overcooked it in Buffalo. See, Dable was more conservative in the second half of football games the year previous with Allen than what Dorsey was. Why? Dorsey's a former quarterback. And he wants to appease the quarterback because he sees the game like he does. And what else? Dorsey feels the game like Josh Allen does. Okay? And... He understands. See, I think I think Ken Dorsey last year got a little bit too emotionally involved in the play calling. And he wasn't smart enough on protecting his quarterback. That's why when they got in that Bills game, or the Bills got in that Bears game, they saw what happened to Jalen. Dude, he had 140 yards passing. And they and they crushed the Bears. Well, he didn't have a great statistical day, but they crushed him because they weren't too cute there. I think they got too cute in the game, especially in the second half this year in Buffalo. And they kind of got over their skis a little bit. If I'm the Eagles here, hey, keep improving on what you do best. You want to add a little couple extra little things, you do have to do that because coordinators have game film on you now. But coordinators are going to see this now. And having watched him play, I'm going to put as many hats on him to me, what do I want the ball? Dude, this whole thing, if you're New England, you got to win first down. Win first down, get them in second and eight. And if you can play from second and eight against the Eagles and that RPO, then Jalen's going to have to make – see, last year, one of the things that I thought was also not the fact that they didn't turn the ball over a lot, but one of the things that I really admired about what they did – how many times did we see the Eagles every freaking series in third and short? And once they got in third and 11 or third and 12, I started to go like this. Shit. To me, hurts an open space like that. You don't have enough defenders to bring them down. And he was smart in open space. 
I was like, they're going to get the first down because they had no center fielders against them. They're going to change that. Jalen's not going to have a lot of those breakaway third longs as he did a year ago because they're going to keep a guy in on him because he's the guy that hurts the team the most. A.J. Brown doesn't hurt the team the most. Hurts does. Third and long, kills him. How many times last year did you watch Jalen Hurts destroy a team's will by getting a, th- a, four- a fourth down play or a third and 13? That's backbreaking. You do a great job on the three downs, on the two downs in front of it. You're third and 13, and he gets the first down. It's backbreaking, especially when he's in open space like that. So Belichick's going to keep a guy in on him. He and, and you know what? Here, let me let me before I get to your weapon. This is why how he's drafting guys like Nolan Smith. I think we're going to see a lot of blitzes this year, like we saw with Spags in the Super Bowl. As long as they set the edge. See, but see when you blitz a team like Philadelphia, they got see. Look, look, look at look at Kansas City. Kansas City has truly one weapon, and it's Kelsey. So when you blitz Mahomes, it's a lot of Mahomes moving around like Roethlisberger in the backfield. See, Mahomes doesn't run to get up the field. He runs to create passing lanes. That's what Ben did. Ben moved around passing lanes. He did a great job in dealing with the passing lanes and creating them. So... And, 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 and for the record, this is why Nolan Smith is drafted by the Patriots, or excuse me, by the, um, by the Eagles. Because you got to chase these guys down now like Hurts. you got to run those dudes down. And when you get a guy like that in open space, okay, you got to chase Josh Allen down. Well, I got a guy who runs a 4-3. Well, Josh Allen runs a 4-4, 4-5, whatever it is. You're not chasing him down with Kaiser White. No disrespect to anybody, but you think you're chasing down a guy who's six foot six, runs a four five, and he's pretty physical of a player with 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 a guy who runs a four seven. You're not doing that. You got to get speed guys on the perimeter now. You know, Tone said something a couple months ago, and he's right. If you don't have linebackers all over the field that can chase people down, you can't win ball games. You just cannot win ball games. You've got to have people who can tackle in open space. Tackling and hurting players is one of the hardest things to do. I teach my daughter that. She, she is a, um, she's a rugby player, as you guys know. And tackling in open space, it's a skill set. Okay? Tackling in traffic, but getting out, that's why the corners make all the money. You're out there on an island by yourself. And the reason you make $18 million a year is because you got to defend, you got to run backwards, and you got to tackle in open space. Man, that's not an easy chore. Okay? That is not an easy chore. Okay, so again, defending Jalen. Got to get the ball out of his hands. Got to get it out of his hands. Open space tackling might be the hardest thing to do in football. One false step and you're giving up a touchdown. See, that was one of the things that made the unit I played on so just 
dynamic with Jerome and all. We all ran four eights. His two ta- Jimmy Johnson's two interior tackles. This is 35 years ago. Why we were so ahead of the game. People didn't run four eights at 300 pounds. No, we they had, we had two tackles in the middle that were 600 pounds and ran four eights. Our edge rushers ran four fives. Kevin Fagan played for the Niners, won two Super Bowls, I think. He ran a four five. Stubbs ran a four four. I mean, our entire if you ran a five flat in those defenses, shit, dude. You played offense. Nobody ran five flats on my on, my, on the defense I played on. We played with team speed. Okay. It, it, he we play with team speed. Get up the field, get to the quarterback, and set the edges too as well. Like you said, you can't seriously compare the early 90s Cowboys to the Cowboys now. They're more known for them, not the bums you have now. That's a hey, Cosmo, always remember this. When your best years are in your rearview mirror, you need to change the car you're in because your best moments in your life can't be behind you. You've got to create and have a new world in front of you. You can't be stuck in the mud like that. That's what happens with a lot of football players when they leave the game. They still think they're defensive tackles. At least I know that I'm a fat, washed-up guy now. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean? I know that now. (laughs) Hey, if you're if you're like they talk about my Miami Hurricane teams, and they sell the U, you're not selling the U on the last twenty years, are you? What do you think you're selling that? You see all that stuff back there? Miami makes a killing in merchandise off of what I did, not what they're doing. All that stuff, national titles, Jimmy, game balls, beating Oklahoma, beating Florida, beating all them huge programs. They make money today off of what I did, not what they're doing. If that's your best moments, that's 35 years ago. You better start doing something different. You can't, you can't be calling yourself to you. And talking about Dan Cilio, do you know, get get this? And I honor this. And again, it's about if you go to the Canes football Twitter page, I retweeted it. Go to Dan Cilio show. What did I do? Hey, hey Tony, I don't know if you saw this, but this is what the Canes post now. It's crazy, and and I, and I have a problem with it. And by the way. It's celebrating what I did. But check it out. So they posted this. There's Jerome. Big Seals 93, you'll see it.
Anyway, so then they start posting this. Cilio backed up his big mouth against Oklahoma. Hurricane Tackle had the Sooners wondering who he was. That's at the front page of the Herald. Then they did this one. Cilio opens eyes as well as his own mouth. I'm going like this. That's 35 years ago. That's 35 years ago. That's what you're selling? Shit. <laughs> you can't be selling that 5-7 and seven record you had this year, I guess. I mean, hey, hey, Yale, everyone thinks that I talk shit because of the media. Homies, I've been talking shit since I was, I've been talking shit since I was 16 years old. <laughs> Nothing's really changed, has it? <laughs> Cilio's big mouth. <laughs> hey, that is a really wild Miami Herald headline. Tone, don't you think? That headline's it, it's insane. I open up the newspaper the next day after. They, I think Oklahoma was number one. We were number two. We beat the piss out of them. And he was talking shit to me, Bosworth. But look at that. That's the, that's the headline of the Miami Herald. Front page. Cilio backed up his big mouth against Oklahoma. I told them they were the most overrated. Get this. Hey, Yale. Get the, get, guys, get this. So they asked me what I thought about the big game coming up on Wednesday. I said, it's the most overrated football team I've ever seen. We're going to beat the shit out of them. Um, Bosworth couldn't start on our team. And quite frankly, we will kill them and dominate them. This is on a Wednesday. Jimmy comes to me right out. He's listening to me say this. this we're playing them Saturday. I said, I got this. <laughs> Jerome goes like this. Do you, do you know what the, Jerome and those guys said to the Oklahoma guys? Here, one last thing before I take a timeout. This is what Jerome said. So we get to the middle of the field. Highsmith, Jerome Brown. And Winston Moss were our captains for the game. Oklahoma goes to reach across to shake the hand. Jerome goes like this. Fuck you. We're the boss. We're the boss. The referees go shake their hand. We're not shaking their hand. That ain't happening. The referee threw a 15-yard penalty on us to start the game because we, we showed lack of sportsmanship. Big Sills, take a time out. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. 
but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to ready, go to look, fake a mama. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Sydney Brown's impressing. Good. That doesn't shock me. Okay? That does not shock me. He's a lovey guy. Okay? He's a lovey guy. JM, look at karma from that poor sportsmanship. Now he's basically a clown and drunken booth eating. <laughs> really? I'm pretty. You know what, JM? By the end of the day, um, I love Dan Cilio. I love who I am and what I've accomplished and done. People who talk like that don't have legacies. It's all good. I'm, 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 I've never wished I was anyone else. Tone goes, I love Dan Cilio too. Hey, dude, I love who I am. Do I wish I made better decisions? Yes but I love me. I love the experiences I've had in my life. I wouldn't change them for anything. Nothing. Nothing. Taking shit. I love taking shit from all of you, including you, JM. I love it. Okay? No hard feelings, man. But to me, Every time I hear people taking shit, especially mostly media people, taking shit on people, no matter who they are, okay, are usually people that don't have legacies. 
you know, you could have a legacy in your own community. You can have a legacy of being a great clergyman, a great politician, whatever it is to you, whatever it matters to you that you protect. We all protect something that we've done great in our lives, whether it's we're younger or older. Okay. Sills, you want a lemon seltzer? Nah, I don't think so, Cosmo. That won't be something big Sills will be drinking. Is, is a lemon seltzer. This hey, what hey, drinking a lemon seltzer, know this. It would be at my um, it would be at my wake. And only like the Undertaker put those drinks out. Hey, we have lemon seltzers. Well, I must be in the wrong place. Silly, I would never drink that. <laughs> no, I put them out. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah, my grandpa used to call this place called Lacerenza's in um in, in Stanford, Connecticut. We 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 always the Cilios were always known to be in two places, Polici's or Lacerenza's. It's the place where you went and ate to celebrate or whatever, marriages and death, or you went to the Undertaker. My uncle across the street had chairs that I think they hijacked, and they used to say Lacerenza's on them. And my cousin Kevin, I think, has one of those chairs. I want one of those Lacerenza chairs. <laughs> I could, I, my, my grandfather looks down and he goes, do you say Lacerenza on him? You stole these from The Undertaker? <laughs> ah. Oh, plans for the weekend. Yeah, Tone asked me that all the time. Plans for the weekend? The Dan chair? The Dan TV? The shades open and the windows open. Watching whatever. A rerun of oh, I know. Equalizer two. I haven't seen it yet. Gonna watch that one. I've seen some of the previews of it. That'll that that's on my menu. Sills, I love that <laughs> that you talk trash, even when it's on us, keep it real. Hey, dude, it's all good, dude. You guys are great. JB Seals, would you want to be on Undisputed across from Skip? No. Oh, I know the news on that, huh? Shannon had it with him, said, I'm done. I, he insulted him too much. And quite frankly, both those shows, between Stephen A, First Take, and Skip, they use people to enhance and to further their career so they could shit on them. It's not a, it, it's very uncool. Plus, Skip's 80 years old. Here, 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 here's a Skip Bayless show. You ready? LeBron hating uh, the Cowboys, Westbrook. And he had no, from what I understand, real quick before we go, he had no say in what the topics were. And so he wanted out. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. I think Shannon's a great talent. Guys, have a great weekend. God bless every one of you. Thank you so much. Xander, thank you. Um, Big Joe, thank you. Tone, continue to do the work you did. What a fabulous week we had. And by the way, the last couple of days with all the great guests we've had have been absolutely spectacular. We got more coming up next week for you. We're getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL season. Have a wonderful weekend. God bless every one of you. We'll see you Monday, 3 to 6. And we'll catch you on the flip side.
save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 